This episode is supported by Dove. Over half of the girls around the world suffer from low self-esteem, which causes them to opt out of important life activities and puts their health at risk. The Dove Self-Esteem Project is the world's largest provider of self-esteem education and teaches the next generation to feel comfortable in their own skin by working with schools. Dove has created and uses educational, evidence-based resources that are designed to help young girls and boys reach their full potential. They cover topics like bullying and social media to help young people build a positive relationship with the way they look. You can get these printable resources to help increase self-esteem in the young people in your life at dove.ca slash self-esteem. But Alex. Yeah, Shane? Let's begin this episode. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree Podcast, episode 73. We got a bit of a funny one today. Hell yeah, we do. <laughs> I was sorry that language <laughs> caught me off guard no, i have been so excited to get this out because our first you know interviewees are the scummy mummies and i have been so obsessed with them they are hilarious if you don't know the scummy mummies they're ellie gibson and helen thorne they're best friends they are a comedy duo which is how they met and they are the hosts of the amazing scummy mummies podcast and yes, we are so lucky we got to talk to them and they delivered. We were laughing the entire interview. We were laughing after the interview. And I'm very excited to listen to this episode once you edit it and throw it out there, Shane, because I just I want to well, hear it again. We might be hyping it too much. I, I don't care. I You're don't care. always laughing, Alex. So. It's true, but... We had some technical issues with this one too, which did add to the comedy. Yeah, so. plus Helen and Ellie, are just, they're so lovable and they're so... Like, they're funny, obviously, but they're just, they're so lovable through all that, and they're mm -hmm. so relatable. Were we funny in this interview? I don't know. I don't mind taking a backseat to them. Hmm. I, on the other hand, do not like taking a backseat to anyone, <laughs> and I'm going to say I was the funniest one in this interview. Ooh. Kidding. <laughs> Me, always with the jokes. Uh, next up, uh, we have Alex Ponovic. He's a Canadian actor who has been in a ton of stuff. He was Julius in the Van Helsing series. He was in War for the Planet of the Apes, Siberia with Keanu Reeves, and Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson, among so many more. He's worked with a ton of the greats and shares a lot of great stories about that. And he has fascinating career he started off as like a third generation boxer got into acting it did end up getting a little bit emotional it is a fascinating interview and i hope you all enjoy it <laughs> with that said shane cheers 73 number 73 and we are drinking seed lip right now this is our okay so I what, made, what is this i made you something called a maple moonshine so it's with Ooh. apple flats maple drink mix which is a local place that does this like they grow maple trees they make maple drink mix with seed lip spice 94 and a little bit of club soda what do you think i think this is the most delicious one you like it yeah i think it's amazing did you invent this recipe yes this is amazing thank you this might be the best one, honestly. And like out of the coconella? Mm -hmm. Really? Oh. Yeah, this cuts so nice with the seed lip. That's what I thought. Yeah. I'm we, so glad. We, we got to contact the people at Seed Lip and tell them to make this recipe. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Oh, I'm happy you like it. Yeah, I do love maple syrup, though. <laughs> Let's begin the opening segment to the show. Okay, so we're TikTok stars, as people know. TikTok stars. No, no, we're not. Th we're real stars. Real stars. R-E-E-L, that is. We're, we're floundering in TikTok, trying to swim, and, you know, people throw us life jackets once in a while. Yeah, so TikTok, I guess, to break the algorithm is tough if you're creating original content. Yeah. 
so TikTok, I guess, survives off people jumping on trends. And you like to jump on the trends, but I like to create the unique well, content. Well, not even, not even that I like to. It's just that they're easier for me to do because the formula is out there. So then I may as well try to hop on a trend, see if people view it, and then maybe I'll get one follower out of the 1,000 people that view it. And then maybe that follower will actually like the original content. You know what I mean? Not really. <laughs> I got lost. I, I zoned out. I was taking a sip as you were talking. I thought that one was just for the listeners. Oh, that's all right. Whatever. But the reels, the reels are doing real well. Oh my gosh, they're killing. But I'm worried we might have had a bomb that we just released before this. But is, is it doing well? Let's see the comments. Our video? No, it's... Okay. Okay, in 30 minutes, it's had 1,031 views. Is which that good? I think so. Okay. Right? What I else? Mean, How many sherry things? How many sherry things? All right, we have... Well, it doesn't give me the same insights as other things. So it only has my reshare and your share at the moment. Well, that's not good. It's okay for the first half hour, Shane. It's going to kick on. It's going to pick up a little steam. And then people are going to be sharing it all over the place because it's a hilarious video. And Lucy shows off her acting chops in it. Yeah, well, she wasn't acting that much. There is a scene where there's pee on the floor, and Lucy goes, I went pee. And it seems like she's being fed a line, but Lou actually peed on the floor. And when you see Alex cleaning up a liquid, that is actual urine. See, she rarely has accidents. She has maybe one a month, and this one was just so aptly timed. Yeah, so a lot of people are going to think we're lying, but I, I promise you that is real urine that Alex was cleaning up. Moving on, though. <laughs> Alex is on steroids right now. I am. I am. And I'm roid raging a little bit. Is, is that what it is? Yeah. So I'm on a drug called prednisone. I've been in really bad pain all week with my lupus. I've been having a flare-up. And earlier in the week, I was kind of rendered useless. Like, I, I couldn't move. Everything hurt. It hurt to do anything. Like, even pick up the girls. So I called my rheumatologist and asked her to be put on this drug. Because I knew that it would help and Tylenol, Advil, nothing was cutting it. But this is something I've always tried so hard not to take. And I've only taken it when I've been given it at the hospital. I'm very scared. I, I wouldn't be because I don't think that I'm going on a high enough dose to actually rage out beyond getting mildly snappy. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm definitely feeling snappy. I'm definitely feeling feisty. And if somebody you know, does something where usually I might just ignore it or laugh it off. I'm really taking issue. Because is the fact that you know it's supposed to make you testy, is that making you testy? No, no. I am absolutely feeling ragey inside hmm. uh, when these things happen. Like when my patience gets lost, it's more than just wanting to say something. It's I'm actually truly feeling ragey. And what I put out is not even a little bit what I'm feeling inside, which is awful. I don't want to feel like that. What's made you rage the most so far? I had a little disagreement with my mom today. What happened? She wanted me to order enough sausages to make and send home to my brother for family day, Ugh. but I didn't get enough because I didn't know she wanted me to do that. And it turned into a thing and I asked her to apologize, but she didn't think she needed to apologize. <laughs> you want everyone to be fed? <laughs> apologize, mom. <laughs> No, she made me feel stupid or I said I thought she I felt like she made me feel stupid because I didn't know I was supposed to get stuff for my brother too. Well, 
But it, it's resolved. Lover, she loves me again. Hunky dory, we're good. That's good. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I know that it's a bad thing to say, hey, are you on your period? I did ask you that today, but that's because I thought I saw evidence of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you would have seen. It's pretty obvious when somebody's on their period. How is it obvious? Because there's red, black blood, like dark. Where? In the toilet. Okay, that's what I thought I saw today. Yeah, I don't know where you were seeing this. It could have just been very dark urine. <laughs> it's just I don't remember taking an especially dark pee. Maybe it turned dark once it hit the bowl. I don't know. This is what people want to hear? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not here for the people. I'm here for you. The people? Yeah, pee hole. <laughs> what? I'm not here for the pee hole. What? Why, why are your eyes bulge out of your head? <laughs> Is that the worst thing to say? Pee hole sounds disgusting. Get your head out. <laughs> Let's grow up here, okay? okay? People have pee holes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Urethras. People have urethras and, you know, you can call it a pee hole, I guess. But what are we talking about? I don't know, babe. You do the, you do the topics <laughs> Wait, off the top. You surprise me. I know. You me. threw me off. Okay, so here's what I wanted to ask. Is it offensive to you if I say, are you roid raging right now? Is it in the same category as are you on your period? I think it is just oh, like no. it would be if somebody was if you ask somebody oh is this because your pregnancy hormones your postpartum hormones because what it does is it minimizes what is upsetting them and it's like oh they can't be that mad at this whatever but yes I can be this frustrated with this and maybe I'm just choosing this time to show my frustration even though I truly am this frustrated always and I just you know haven't talked about it or whatever. I feel like I would be very flattered if someone came up to me and said, oh, are you roid raging or something? I'd be <laughs> Why? Like, well, because I'm not taking steroids. <laughs> oh, you're just implying that you're just so jacked. Yeah, I'd be very flattered. Well, okay, feel my muscle. How am I? Whoa, you are roid raging. How am raging. I doing? Feel this one. Whoa. Why is your left stronger than your right? Yes. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Maybe I hold Betty more with my left. Okay. Like when I, because I'm right handed, so I'm holding Betty constantly with my left so that I could do things with my right hand. Yeah. So how long are you going to be on these roids? Three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. And this is the highest dose. Every week I go down a dose. It stinks we're not playing slow pitch baseball anymore. I know. You I could know. be entering those Jose home, Canseco. home run derbies. Oh, babe, that would be incredible. Okay, now it's confession time for me. Ooh. So th here's a story. Alex and I wanted our beds to be like how they are at the Sheridan. Yeah. Which a lot of people do, I would think. Like getting, the heavenly sleep bed or whatever. Getting a hotel bed is the dream. So we tried to make our bed after the Sheridan and... I said I want the Sheridan pillow. Alex ended up buying me a Brooklinen pillow. So I get the pillow. It was way too soft. I'm upset, naturally. We send the Brooklyn pillow. to. We donate it, actually, yeah, we because Brooklyn doesn't accept pillows returned. So well, you they, have to they donate They do, them. but they, they give you the option of donating it, which is incredible that they do that. So, right. so Sheridan pillow comes. I'm fooled. I think it's great just because it's the thing I wanted in my mind. A couple of days go by. I'm like, this pillow sucks yeah <laughs> way too soft it's like lumpy or something it's like it really envelops your head so you got the down alternative so my pillow from brooklinen i got the full plush down all right so what's down alternative down alternative is microfibers 
Yeah, I don't like microfibers. Well, I'll take the, the alternative micro, to that. A microfiber pillow shouldn't be as clumpy as yours. So is. mine is defective. Right? It is defective. So I realized the problem with Brooklinen wasn't the company; it was the fact that you ordered the softest make and model they have, mm-hmm. where I should have got the medium thing. Yes. Whatever Sheridan gave me is just objectively terrible. It's not even the cloud feeling. Like mine, at least. It's too soft for you, but still, when you put your head back on it, mm-hmm. it's like you're sinking into a cloud. Yeah. So, anyway, you got in a scuffle. Thank goodness, actually. You got roid rage on <gasps> Sheridan. I didn't think that's why. I never come out successful in phone calls with businesses. You're the worst. You're too I, kind. Oh, Shane, I didn't attribute that to the roid rage. Yeah. What other calls do we need to make? I can take them all right now. I know. But thank you so much. That was my Valentine's Day gift is the fact that you covertly return to Sheridan pillow and now in a few days I'm getting the Brooklyn awesome pillow at medium firmness yeah and so get this too so Brooklyn and they give you 100 days with the pillow and if you don't like it you can get a full refund mm. all right and you can donate it whatever in the meantime Sheridan they do not give refunds on pillows and they don't give refunds like on anything. There's only a couple things unless it's defective. So the woman was trying to tell me that there was no way the pillow could be defective or lumpy. And I was like, you know, I rolled up my sleeves and I got as saucy as I could in a polite way. And, you know, they're giving us the refund and we don't even have to send it back. So now we just have an extra pillow to just kind of throw on top yeah, of the Yeah, a pile. real lumpy one. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was disappointing and shocking. But where did we get our comforter from? Sheraton. Best. I love. I like the way you say Sherit. Sheraton. Well, it's with a T. T O N. Yeah, yeah. I say Sheraton. No, oh, it reminds me of Sheraton College. Sheraton. But it's the best move we ever made. Pillow schmilla. Pillow is great. It, it does add like maybe ten percent to your life. The comforter, I would say, adds eighty percent to your life. Yeah, we got their down alternative duvet. See, so Shane, the comforter, the duvet we got is made out of the same microfiber as your pillow, but. The pillow is defective. The duvet is not. Mm-hmm. So there are, like, the duvet is beautiful, honestly. And I'm living the dream right now with my plushy Brooklyn and pillow. So I'm excited for you to get on my level. Okay. Again, these aren't sponsors or anything. We're just giving you the real goods so you can trust us and here. And you're welcome for the Valentine's Day surprise. Thank you. Oh, uh, am I expected to get a... No, I told you a card. A card. Okay. I've taken care of the meal. I've taken care... What do you care... mean you've taken care of the meal? I've Your taken... mom bought us sausages. No, that's for family day. Oh, what's the meal? Well, we're going to have lasagna and... Wait, have- so, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, don't be sneaky with me. I overheard a conversation with my dad. My So Alex is on the phone with my dad. I'm in the other room. My dad likes Alex better than me. So he, he calls her. They're having a conversation. And he's like, I got a lasagna if you want it. I got a vegetarian and a meat. Thinking you might want the meat lasagna. And you're like, oh, Paul, if, <laughs> if, if if it's just gonna go to waste, I'll take it. Now you're acting like that's my Valentine's Day meal. Well, if it wasn't that, it would be something else. But here's the thing, okay? I got specialty beer from our favorite brewery. I got this surprise Valentine's Day meat lasagna from your dad. <laughs> I I thought I liked the way you say Sheridan, but I love the way you say lasagna. You're you're like from another part of the world when you say it. Like where is that New Jersey? <laughs> I got a special meat lasagna. <laughs> okay. And I don't know how to say this thing properly, but I have a, a special dessert bomb. Sorry. Say it. Bombastic? No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm laughing. 
but I got us a special dessert bomboloni. No need for name calling. <laughs> got a dessert bomboloni? That is a good name to call somebody. Is that a though. meat? No, it's a dessert thing. Okay. So you'll I guess just you wait. can't have a meat I gotta meat go pick dessert. it up tomorrow. But what made you go for the bomboloni? It looked delicious. Where it do you see bombolonis? Well, in the COVID I'll, times, I'll, on the website. <laughs> on the website, so it's a restaurant in our city. They are serving up Valentine's Day bombolonis or bombolones. Mm, probably that's a bomboloni. risk by the company to just like have a promotion on something <laughs> no one's ever heard of. Well, I'm sure Italians have heard of it, but I trust this restaurant. I've loved everything I've ever had from there. And while I'm down there, they also have a bunch of. It's like they have a bottle shop of wines. So I'm wondering if I should get us, you know, a little Valentine's Day bottle. But we probably don't need to because I got the beer. And we're part of a wine subscription service where we, we're overflowing with wines. I know. It would be stupid. We have so many wines. We're full up. So, yeah. Taken care of. In a lot of ways, you're cheap and frugal. But then some ways, you just throw money out the window. Like in what way? Kay. Pillows. Christmas Day. For, oh, shit. For no reason. <laughs> Alex just decided to order like $50 worth of Starbucks to our house. So I'm like, okay, I guess it's kind of fun and festive. We don't want to make coffees. I guess that saves us two minutes and all these treats. So we ended up spending all this on Uber and the coffees go cold. I still had to make coffee. And then you know what? I we And we didn't we got so many treats for Christmas, we couldn't even eat the the treats you ordered. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because then we ended up driving to the cottage about an hour after we got all that stuff, which was why I thought I'd get it all to save us some cleanup and everything. But then I ended up forgetting my breakfast mm-hmm. sandwich on the counter for the two weeks that we were at the cottage. And the second we got home, I ran into that kitchen and tossed in the garbage before you saw. What did you throw up? My breakfast sandwich that had been sitting on the counter for two weeks, marinating in its own filth. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that. I know. Now, now I'm mad. Now I feel like <laughs> feel like I'm on protozone. <laughs> Prednisone. That too. But I have to say, Shane brings this up once every two weeks. Okay, I got something else then, if you think that's <laughs> it. One day I accidentally was reminiscing about a gift I bought you. These gloves, these very nice gloves. You're like, oh, these gloves, let's look up the price. So the price was quite higher. Exorbitant. It was higher than you thought it was going oh to be. Oh my God. All of a sudden, you start going on Amazon Prime and ordering glove cleaner. That's like <laughs> 25 bucks. And then you ordered something else like, what was it, like a brush? A wax or yeah, something. Yeah, wax. It comes. You have no idea how to use it. So you're just like rubbing stuff everywhere. It makes zero difference. The gloves actually looked worse. So that was 50 bucks right out the window. And you do things like this. I wish I had a ton of instances. But you have little ways that you like wasting money. And then other ways that are actually practical and make sense and end up saving you money you have this adverse reaction to it's fascinating oh for well, you, for me at least you're welcome for being you know entertaining day in day out well, i said fascinating let's <laughs> that's not a synonym necessarily that's giving you things to think over keeping your mind busy yeah i'm definitely thinking about a lot of things since i met you <laughs> good things okay nothing for v-day no, I didn't say nothing, Shane. You need to get me a nice card. I heard We're that. doing cards. Okay. 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 But it's from my brain. I mean, nothing tangible. No, a massage. Yeah, that's from I've my brain. I've been sore lately. Yeah, I've been sore too. Yeah, I have lupus and arthritis. You can, you know, get some oil worked sore up in your hands. Sore if not ill enough to deserve any uh, reprieve Okay, from I'll stress. massage you, but I need the massage first. Okay. Otherwise, I can't get the strength to massage you. All I was saying was maybe I need one too. Romance I wanted to talk about. 
What is romance? Do you know the definition of it? Mm, no. Like, how do you define ha- it? Have you looked it up? No. Okay. Uh, let's try might... it. Let's see who can get the closest. Okay. So I might define it as a feeling of love or affection between people. Hmm. Okay. So I would define romance as a surprise display of affection to a loved one. I guess that would be, be a display over just a feeling, right? Because then that would just be love. Okay, so I'm going to look up the definition of romance. All right. A feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love or a quality or feeling of mystery, excitement, and remoteness from everyday life. How is it a feeling? I... Well, I guess because you you feel romantic. You feel the romance. I know. I'm asking about romance, though. I think that, you know, it talks about mystery in both definitions. Excitement and mystery associated with love. And I think that... The mystery part, I never thought of this before, but I think that that is so fundamental for romance because you think about, you know, when you are newly in a relationship with somebody, you really feel romance all the time because it's like the butterflies feeling, you don't know where it's going to go, could this be the one, good job, I never would have pulled that out of my brain if you didn't say it. But, you know, it's, it's that feeling and then as you stay together and people are like, oh, the romance goes out the window... It's because there's no mystery left. There's no wondering, oh, is this person, does this person love me? Do they like me? Will they find this show funny? Because you kind of know that person so well. I feel like there's no romance in the beginning of a relationship. And it's all just a big trick to get the person to like you. To me, true romance is when you're, you don't have to do anything and there's no expectation. It's like much more romantic 10 years in someone's doing something cool of course than at the beginning no but then you're bringing the but mystery at the beginning it's just expected no but you're bringing the mystery and excitement back and recreating the feelings that you felt at the very beginning so it's like when i pulled you into an alleyway and planted the biggest smooch on you for 30 minutes on our second date i felt that was romantic and i felt a sense of romance i don't know what you felt but i felt a sense of romance but that was also an urge you felt compelled to do for yourself. I feel like part of romance is something that you, you do for the other person. And I'm not saying I didn't like that kiss, but it did go on a little long. Okay, and that's fine. And I know that's something you like, but you didn't do that because you thought, oh, this is totally for shame. Well, yeah, because I wanted you to know that I was so all about you and so into you and that I really liked you and that, you know, I wanted to move things along and be in a relationship with you too. What is the most romantic thing you've done for me lately? Probably the pillow thing today. Yeah, Was getting your pillow returned. Yeah, no, that was good. getting you a new good pillow on the sly. That was good. That was really nice and thoughtful. What about you? What was the most romantic thing you've done for me lately? Let me think here. Romantic thing. You I've came been... up with this and you didn't have a scenario? Well, I didn't. wasn't expecting questions directed at me. <laughs> and, uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this might not be romance. But okay. one day I came up and I started like caressing you and I was like, Alex, you need an extra hour of sleep in the morning. Yeah, I don't know if that has to do with romance. But that has to do with like care and affection and getting me a pillow oh getting me a pillow you're like juliet all of a sudden and i can't be romeo for giving you an extra like what infinite amount of hours in your lifetime of sleep yes it's different okay that's empathy i think what's the pillow what's the pillow move 
The pillow is I want to surprise you with a gift. And just in case that you might feel guilty about spending a lot of money on another pillow and everything, I just want to take that worry away from you. We share a bank account. And say that it's okay to do that, babe. It's both sleep related. Mm -hmm. Both are about wanting someone to get a better quality sleep to be happier. I think we're very similar. Oh, today I was editing our our TikTok that's hopefully going viral as we speak. (laughs) And you were... Knocking snow off the truck. And I thought, uh, this isn't right, her knocking snow. So although I did not want to go to the truck because I had no idea you were mm-hmm. out there, I, I got on my coat and uh, came out there and said, get in that car and dusted you off. Okay, what about two nights ago when I ordered us late night McFlurries, which you knew about, but then the mystery was that I also ordered us a cheeseburger and some fries to share and it was a nice little Yeah, treat. that's delicious, but it really made me feel like crap. <laughs> Was the brushing up the car? That was very sweet of you, yes. I, I That was very nice. You know, you didn't have gloves or anything. No, I know. And if you had, like, just thrown in just a little peck, that really would have sealed the romantic deal. Just a little wink. <laughs> uh, okay, that's all I have, right? Oh, no, no, that's, that's a lie. We saw a movie last night yeah. called Malcolm and Marie. It was highly anticipated. 11 minutes into the film... Alex just said, I don't want to like even talk right now, but I just have to say, this is the coolest movie. At that exact moment, the movie ceased (laughs) to be the coolest movie and then just was kind of weird for the rest of it. And you you ended up giving it a five out of 10 rating. No, six out of 10. Well, you said five and then I coerced you to six. I said five and a half or six. We actually sound like Malcolm and Marie right now (laughs) because this movie is just two people fighting and nibbling on each other the entire movie <laughs> well they in that order they fight and then they make up a little bit and then they go and nibble on each other and you think that they're going to you know have makeup intimacy but then they don't they just nibble and then they fight before they can get past the nibbling and it's just a cycle it's a very exhausting cycle and it it put me in the place of any, you know those like long arguments you might have with your partner when it's too late at night. You're both exhausted, but you can't go to sleep because you're so upset, and you just drags and drags and drags, and you're up all night solving this thing. Or is that just us? I imagine it's lots of people. If oh, you're talking about? about I thought you're talking about other relationships. No, I'm just saying like you know, like if we've had these discussions where it's like 2 a.m., we're like, oh, we're so tired, but we just need to get to the bottom of this. It brought me to that place, and I just. Even though it was like 8 o'clock at night when we were watching it, I felt so exhausted. And it does get unintentionally comical. Yeah. This is a movie with uh, David Washington. John David Washington. John David Washington, which is Denzel Washington's son, and Zendaya. They're incredible. Yeah, especially John David Washington. Oh my gosh. Washington. He was awesome. He like the acting in it was phenomenal. He was so off the charts phenomenal. And I was kind of pissed off that the movie lost some of its cool and got so exhausting. But because of their acting, you're still engaged mm-hmm. with it and you're still so into it. And the directing is awesome too. The shots mm-hmm. were very cool. The editing, Sam Levinson, who's Barry Levinson's son, who's also an actor, and he, of course, would be most famous for directing Euphoria. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I believe he, he writes and directs that too. So although it's not great, it's still worth watching. It's so stylish. And it's, it's very It's cool. very funny. <laughs> like, like we're saying this, the nibbling that goes on. <laughs> the nibbling's off the charts. I've never seen two people almost give each other oral more in my life. <laughs> That's what I was saying. It should be called almost, almost oral. Almost oral. Yeah. That's all I have Shall we get into our first interview? Let's do it, yeah. But before that, could we tell everyone who we are supported by? 
Alex, could we? We are supported by Mabel's Labels. Frustrated by their children's things getting lost, mixed up, and leaving home never to return, Julie Cole and three other mom friends knew they could do better than scribbling their kids' names on masking tape. From there, the idea for a new product was born. The very best personalized waterproof name labels and tags that are equally cute and durable. Man, I lose so much stuff right now. I can't imagine how I was as a toddler. <laughs> I know. Mabel's Labels started humbly out of a basement and is now an award-winning market-leading company loved by moms and kids alike. So Lucy loves them for obvious reasons. The shapes, the design, things like that. There's a hedgehog on one. Yeah, you throw a hedgehog on anything, she's going to love it. But we love them because... <laughs> they are so durable. They're laundry, dishwasher, and microwave safe. And they're 100% guaranteed. Their line of products features everything from baby bottle labels to allergy and medical alert products, sports labels, household labels, and seasonal items. So head on over to mableslabels.ca and start creating your very own labels. Use the promo code thisfamily tree 15 for 15 percent off your order they deliver internationally and offer free standard shipping in canada and the u.s again that is mableslabels.ca and this family tree 15 but we are also supported by hello bello being a parent is hard like really hard so when you go to get diapers to prevent the next eventual blowout, finding a diaper that's absorbent and soft without spending a fortune shouldn't be just as tough. Co-founded by Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard, Hello Bello is built on the simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. Everything they have seems to actually be the best. Lucy even knows that when her bum bum hurts, she goes for that <laughs> cream and the next day her bum bum's fine. <laughs> it's true. And if you get their bundles, you'll get a little bit of everything they have to offer so you have seven packs of wipes four packs of plant-based wipes and even one full-sized product freebie with your first order plus after that you'll get 15 percent off of any add-ons like the bubble bath the wipes the diaper rash cream the detangler the body bomb it goes all over the place like there's so much awesome stuff if you've never tried hello bello i'm telling you now is the time and the reason i'm saying that is because we have the discount code you need to justify trying something new so to get hello bello super soft super absorbent and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door go to hellobello.ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree30 for 30 percent off of your diaper bundle order that's huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowout saves that's hellobello.ca, promo code thisfamilytree30 to start bundling with 30% off your order. Again, that's hellobello.ca, promo code thisfamilytree30. This promo, unfortunately, is applicable to Canadians only, but use it, you will love it. But now, let's get to our interview with the scummy mummies, Ella and Allie. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? There you are. Hey, there you are. I'm good. Hi. <laughs> so nice to see you. Nice to you. I obviously, um, as soon as the Zoom started, my my Thai takeaway arrived. So that's oh, perfect. very professional. That's just, good. Um, good timing. As soon as the Zoom started, I, I managed to open a spelling game that uh, my son was playing. And also, okay. I, really, I forgot he changed my name. So it's all going really well. We're really professional. Yeah, just play the game, eat the food. It's yeah. true. And I have to say, we might have our grocery delivery come within the next half hour or two. So... You yeah, know, we'll knock just on leave the it door, there, ignoring it. It happens. Oh, that's exciting. So you're in Canada. <laughs> we are. Yes, it's two o'clock so you... here in Canada, right now. Oh, what? two o'clock. Oh, yeah. so you can show show us your Canadian groceries when they come. It'll be exotic for us. Oh yeah. Nice. Do you have milk in a bag over there? 
I thought you no. said you have milk over there. We, we better really... <laughs> oh, it's Brexit. I'm... You can't even get milk now. You can't even get milk. Can't get cheese. Oh, Unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, no, we, yeah. We, we get our we get our bagged milk, either breast or bagged in this house. But uh... yeah, I'll take oh. either. <laughs> Doesn't it spill everywhere if it's in a bag? No, no. We have a container for it, and the the bag goes in the container. It's like a blue jug with a handle. It does get spilly. Every Canadian has one. Why don't you just have a container? That's that's half the amount of things you need to hold. It's much cheaper for some reason. You get more milk at one time. You just throw the rest in the freezer. Well, wow. Wow. This is a cultural exchange, Ellie. (laughs) I feel feel like we we should just talk about milk for an hour. That's that's actually all we have planned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and it's nice to see you. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, thank you for showing up. Yeah, we're very honored. Yes, I'm so excited to chat with both of you. And we are rolling. A lot of times we start and then people say, are we rolling? I am rolling, just to let you know. I'm that, constantly rolling. Okay, I always perfect. assume everyone's good. rolling. <laughs> um, so do, I need, fine. do I need to wear headphones? You, you sound good. Unless it's convenient for you to try it, we can try it. But if not, I don't want to put you out. I don't like putting the guests to work too much. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> it's all the way over there by my plant. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to have a couple more mouthfuls. Yeah, that's, that's this is a good it. little uh, food break. <laughs> I'm, it's making me hungry. I have not had lunch yet. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, jeez. I know. And that could go for Thai. Oh, lucky your groceries. Oh. Mm-hmm. What'd you get? What, what kind of Thai did you get? I got some Tom Yum soup and I got some like really spicy chicken stir fry because I'm obviously because everybody's got COVID in mm-hmm. um, the UK. So I'm like, oh, I'm just eating like lots of ginger and spicy foods and smart. just trying to stay healthy. That's but, you smart. know, still smoking, which is, I think, right. you know, kind of balances it out. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> So where exactly in the UK are you? Um, Ellie and I both live in London and we're in southeast London. So we actually okay. only live about oh, five minutes drive from each other. Oh, that's amazing. Um, which is great. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've, I've lived here 14 years, but Ellie was born and bred in London. So she's a proper Londoner. I'm oh, just nice. a, I'm an Australian ring-in. So yeah. Oh, wow. You're originally from Australia. Yeah, oh, I was born cool. in Melbourne. Wow. So yeah, I moved here in 2006. So yeah, I'll be here 15 years this year. But yeah, my accent's kind of gone a bit, you know, a bit London-y. Bit yeah, out. it's hard to pin exactly. That's I was okay. going to ask. And I sometimes I hear that the food in London, England is not great. What is your experience with that? Like you're just eating the Thai, so I figured I should ask. It, do you know what? It has got better in the last 15 years, um, <laughs> especially because Australians are quite serious about their food, not very serious about many other things. But um, yeah, when I came here, it was all a bit, oh, no, London food. But actually... Um, there's some very nice things to eat in London, isn't there, really? Oh, oh nice. yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a mecca now. It's it's ch- yeah, it's changed a lot. It's all gone very trendy, hasn't it? It's my is that my audio a bit better now? It is. Yeah, yeah, you're a little bit louder. Yeah. Loud. Sorry. All right, I'll turn it down. Is that is that ambient? That's yeah, lovely. Perfect yeah. ambience. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Alex, do you want to hit it with a proper intro? Not that we're going to not use this, but let's... Hell yes, I do. This is all gold, everything. I won't cut any of that. 100%. 100%. So, (laughs) listeners, we are here with Helen and Ellie from The Scummy Mummies. I am so excited. You two are hilarious. You're huge. Like, you are so popular on Instagram. I know that you have sold out shows. You do a live comedy show and you have a book. So, you are kind of jacks of all the trades and... I'm just so interested in your origin story. How do you know each other? How did you start? I know you were in different countries. I'll, Ellie, do you want to start the story? <laughs> <laughs> 
no, 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 you, you're all right. You, you. Yeah, Ellie and I met uh, nearly eight years ago and it was actually at a stand-up gig. Even though we live down the road from each other, we're both mums in the local area. Um, we met at a stand-up gig and we were both doing, um, you know, the usual five minutes at a crappy kind of stand-up show. Uh, and that's how we met. We saw each other on stage and uh, and then we met for a beer after the gig. And that And that was kind of, that was it really, wasn't it, Ellie? Yeah, yeah. And then we sort of just became friends. We were still sort of trying to do solo stand up. We were friends for ages, uh, well, for a few months. And then we started the podcast, the Scummy Mummies podcast in the July of that year. And then in November, we did the show. And then, yeah, and then it just it's just sort of snowballed from there, really. But like quite a slow moving snowball. That sounds like it was it's been eight years. But uh, yes. I'm assuming you liked each other's stand-up, but can you be friends if you're a stand-up comic with another comic whose stand-up you don't like? I would have to say categorically no. Why? Um, because I, I think, I think, I don't know, that your stand-up is a real reflection of you, your beliefs, your life experiences, and all those sort of things. And and stand-up is kind of a condensed version of who you are, or, or even a heightened version. So when Ellie got up on stage, when I saw her for the first time, she did hilarious stuff about her marriage being really crap and being a new mom and, and all those sort of things. And I thought, I really like this woman. She's cool and she's funny and sarcastic. So, yeah. How about you, Ellie? Would you... Would you um, um, I well, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking of all the comedians we used to gig with back in the day, Helen. And come on, we were friends with some absolutely terrible comedians. Like, <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily that we didn't like their material, the tone of it, or the content of it, but it was just not funny. But I still like them because they were nice people. So it depends. It depends on the context, I think. Yes, that's true. Do you ever get competitive? Like, I know you work as a team now. But do you ever have that kind of instinct where it's like, you know, you're a stand up comedian and it's kind of fight or flight just for you as a solo artist as well? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say. I, I mean, I, I it's, it's a joy to see your friends shine, isn't it? Like mm. and also and also it, it's, it's like playing tennis with someone who's really good. Like the funnier the other person gets, you're like, oh. I want to be that funny. And, it, and it, it's more of a spurring you on more than a competitive thing. I would say, yes. you know, the things we might be competitive about is drinking. Or <laughs> That's a good thing to be competitive. Who's better? Who can eat the most disgusting thing in the van? That's quite a good competition. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, I think Helen's right. It is, like score, it is like scoring points, but it never feels painful when you have to concede, do you know what I mean? Yeah. There always comes a point where you sometimes sometimes have to go, oh no, Helen, you got me there. That's 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 the end of the jokes. That's the top joke. But that always feels glorious because I enjoy the joke. So it's not, I don't feel like I've lost anything, yeah. you know, and it's lovely. And I think that's part of the reason we have been, as you said, incredibly successful. I mean, we're absolutely enormously yeah. famous and rich now. Um, <laughs> so I think that is because... Um, Although, as, as we were saying, we, we have loads in common and that's how we met and how we bonded. We also have things that we don't have in common and our stage personas are not the same. We're not just two mums going up there going, oh, we love each other and everything's great. Um, we, we, we sort of, you know, have, have slightly different characters and they bounce off each other. And sometimes they work together and sometimes they sort of conflict a little bit. So I think hopefully that's why it's not shit. <laughs> what, what is the notable difference in style? Um, I think we've both got, uh, in terms of our personalities, like I am quite relaxed and lazy and warm and cuddly and, and quite mumsy in mm -hmm. a way uh, and, and quite um, haphazard and, and all those sort of things. And then Ellie's not like that. 
No, I'm very organised and I like to plan things and write things out neatly uh, several times, uh, things like that. And um, yeah, I'm a bit more sarcastic and, and sort of uh, uh, just slightly more miserable, things like that. So, uh, you know, that's are you, what about you guys? Are you quite, are you two quite well, different? It's funny because I was, was yeah. going to say, I think Shane is more the Ellie type and I can identify yes. more with Helen. I'm... I like to just cruise. I like to go on cruise control and I don't like things to get uncomfortable ever. And you're bubbly. I'm, yeah, I'm bubbly. I'm happy. And uh, yeah, I just I just like to relax. Shane's more uptight. He likes to plan. He likes to triple plan, quadruple plan. But this know. is, no, no. This I'm going to take you up. This is a typical lazy person thing to say, right? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Um, I like I like to cruise. Shane, see if you, you might not... You might disagree, Shane. You may disagree. Being organized and planned is precisely so you can be lazy. Yes. If you schedule everything and plan that. everything and pl- plot out when you're going to do it, then you can just chill, man. Because you, you know everything's tucked in. Yeah. But- I always say I'm inherently lazy. I just do exactly. it because I don't want to become overwhelmed. But then you're not inherently lazy. And I, I, I think that, you know. Because I Hel- want to chill, though. I just want to be on the couch for three hours and know that but everything is. See, tuck- Helen, Helen might be able to relate here. It's like, Helen, do do you feel that things always work out anyway? And if they don't, you just make do with what becomes of everything. So if you don't yeah. plan, if you don't do this, hmm. it's like, well, you know, here, we'll make the best of it in this way. And you'll find the silver lining. That's all very well until someone doesn't plan to put their seatbelt on and then they die in a car crash. Yes. And things work out for you because I've got your back. If I didn't have your back, things wouldn't work out, you know? And it's like the team here, probably like you've probably saved uh, Helen from a lot of things from going wrong. Yeah, but that's why you find a good teammate. That's why I found you. That's why they found each other. And Shane likes to say you marry your deficits. So I want to know, do you two feel like you've partnered with your deficit in some way? In the comedic sense. (laughs) Yes, yes. We haven't slept together, um, but I have seen her boobs. Yes, yes. Yes, Um, (laughs) I'm single now, so anything goes. Oh, wow. Um, so, um, so yeah, I definitely think that, and I think that's why we work as well. Because I, I, I've said this on the podcast. There's a great phrase about you can't have two racehorses in the same pen, or they'll no. kick each other to death. You've <laughs> got to have a donkey and a racehorse, and we all know who the donkey is, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's true. I think there are times, perhaps, I've caught some some balls. Uh, but also, I would say there have definitely been times where Helen has gone, no, you don't need to overthink this. You're overplanning. You don't need to stress about this. It mm-hmm. will be all right. We we should go for it. We should do it. Like, just do it a bit like this. Just wing it. And she's been completely right. Yeah. So I'm willing to, to concede that. Yeah, I definitely yeah. think there's pros and cons to both types of personalities. I was watching you on uh, YouTube. You were doing an interview in like the back of a car. I think it was at Fringe Fest. At Fringe Fest, you would call someone up on stage at the end and have them do a confession and on your podcast you do confessions and it's so strange because we did we haven't done a lot of podcasts where we're the guests but we did the other day and someone asked us to confess something and i was like who wow. are they we're gonna sue them yeah I know. <laughs> yeah it was called i have to call my sister it's a very good podcast and they were excellent hosts but, but i, was I like, have to call my solicitor <laughs> <laughs> But it was such a great segment. So I wanted to, I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't have anything, but I was wondering if you could share some of your, or one of your confessions, one of your best maybe confessions. I don't know. Is this putting you on the spot too much? 
Oh, I, I think we should do one each. Like one of the, one of the most memorable winning confessions was um, a woman was seeing her child off for the first day of school. You know, it's highly emotional, uh, and the child was looking a little bit sort of anxious. So she bent down to kiss the child on the head, except she missed, and the teacher was standing next to the child, and she accidentally kissed the child's teacher on the penis. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> yeah, on so the penis. Oh, because the child's shorter <laughs> and the teacher's taller, so it's a penis level. Oh my goodness! I was like, lips is pretty funny, but penis—that's another level. Yeah, I like his weight. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a way to start schooling! So that was very popular. Ellie, can, yeah. you, can you remember any other fabulous ones? Oh, well, again, yeah, we've just got loads because, you know, that thing you saw that we did that in our Edinburgh Fringe show, but we've actually done that at the end of every single show we've ever done because it is the most popular, popular mm -hmm. bit and it is different every time. And um, we always get amazing confessions from the audience and it sort of gives us something to look forward to when we're saying the jokes we've said 4,000 times at least yeah. that, <laughs> at the end. So um, they're all in my shed as well. We've kept all of them. So we have bags and bags of bags, like skipfuls of these cards of terrible failures of British mums. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll use them as Batman one day. Uh, there's been so many. I think one of my favourites, and we've had it a couple of times actually, but this one, I remember the detail. So this lady had a ginger baby. Um, uh, it is relevant to the story. I'm not being yeah. sort of hair racist. <laughs> she had this ginger baby and um, she fake tanned herself and then all over and then she breastfed the baby um, and she forgot about the fake tanning. So the ginger baby's face went the same color as its hair. Oh, <laughs> shit. No. Oh, shit. That, that would be an awesome photo. Feel so that's like one of those things that you'd feel guilty about for. So it'd be hilarious, mm -hmm. but then you'd feel guilty and I'd be like scared of who to tell because then I'd be like, oh, well, people would judge me. Well, hopefully it comes off, yeah. After well, not yeah, telling. ideally. But I wanted to... Well, like... yeah, but what? Can you do? You can't like scrub the baby's face like you would <laughs> if you'd made a mistake on your legs. So yeah, and you've got to like, you're going to have to explain to people why your baby's face is orange. Looks so like Donald Trump. It. You're a Snooki. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask if you personally had any confessions that you'd like to share. Oh, 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 hundreds of them. I'm, I'm a dreadful human being. Um, <laughs> did I tell the one about the bath, Ellie? Which, oh, I love that one. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, so um, I, uh, do you have a thing called Barocca in Canada? Like Barack Obama? No, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's the only should, one I know. They should get him to advertise it. Yeah, he's <laughs> around. He's around sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he's not doing there's much. A, there's a vitamin C fizzy vitamin and it's bright orange, right? And you drink it in the morning to give you vitamins. Anyway, it makes your wee go orange. Oh, I've taken that before, right. yes. Yeah, yeah. So so it was my birthday. So I decided to have a bath and as a treat. And then as an ex extra treat, I didn't want to get out of the bath. So I did a <laughs> wee in the bath and it turned orange. Oh, no. <laughs> did anybody see this? Uh, no, it was just my own for my own personal use. Um, yeah. But, no. <laughs> but then what happened a few months later, Helen? Come a, few on. Months, a few months later, I was taking my children swimming lessons. And because I'm a single parent, um, I couldn't get out of the pool and I needed a wee. So oh, I just, no. I'd had a Barocca that morning and I just let one go. And it was like an orange ring of satin around me. Oh, no. How, That's oh. like out of a movie. Helen, okay. I, <laughs> wow. I have to, again, I have to, I have to commiserate with you here because when I was about 11 years old, 
we had a bunch of my girlfriends for my birthday and we all went swimming at some hotel like my parents like let us have a sleepover in a hotel we were in the pool i was having so much fun i didn't want to get out of the pool i took a pee and it turned green. Why? I don't know. I don't <laughs> that's know. That's not why. true. It turned the water around that's, green. Well, how? I don't know. Because that's a myth that the well, water. Well, then did can I take something? Like I didn't know you things might've. that you can take can turn your. I was on lots of meds. Like I had seizures and shit at that wow. time. I could have been on some weird medication. Hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. Wow. But but the water turned green, and it was so hard for me to live down. I like I lost so much sleep over it, and I just had to <laughs> pretend it wasn't me. I, I I just like freaked out over why the water started changing color. Well, what, I'm, I'm glad I triggered something there for you. I'm really. I think this is good. We're sharing. So we're we're yeah. basically the same person. I like this. Yeah. What I, did, did I didn't want to confess. Like when they see this, the people, what do you say and what do you do? Oh, I just did a lot of splashing. Uh, <laughs> a lot of splashing. And, yeah. and yeah, look at that baby's out. face. It's leaking into the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That reminds me as well. Helen, do you remember that? Another one of my favorite audience confessions, uh, we related, this mum was in the swimming pool with her kids and she had quite a few kids and like the little one, I think it was like five or six said, mummy, mummy, I need a wee. And she was like, oh, you know, just just do it in the pool. And he went, okay. And then like she heard sort of shouting and she turned around and he had climbed out of the pool. (gasps) He was standing on the edge of the pool and just pissing into the Oh. <laughs> That's the worst of both worlds because you're not being sneaky yes. and you're peeing in the pool. Wow. No, you're owning, <laughs> really owning it. I like it. Oh, yeah, poor kid. It's good. That's wow. hilarious. I'm, I'm trying to think of one. Which one should I tell, Helen, of my terrible incidences? Oh, my God. You have yeah. so many. Good Do you ones. have any it's urine good. related, just so we can have a theme going <laughs> through? Urine related. Just well, I, I was going to say about the one about your, your child and your mother um, correcting what he was saying in the bath. It was a bath. I can't remember. What was that? About furniture. Oh yeah, I, I and he was saying fuck, fuck or something. I can't. Yeah, tell. yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. What? So I must have. Done, there must oh, be a I wee mean, one it's, then. It's a farting in the fridge one, Ellie. You could tell. Fart, a farting in the fridge. I've thought of a wee one. So <laughs> a couple of Christmas tours ago, I, I had, I had a knee injury. I'd really hurt my knees. I used to do, I do a lot of running, and um, the doctor gave me some codeine, which is like an opiate. I don't mm. know if it's called that in Canada or whatever. It is, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, legal, so. Legal legal opiate and I used to like to take it with some with lager after the show <laughs> while I had a curry so I would be I would be really quite high like really like off my face uh, it was very pleasant anyway so we had this curry and then our roadie Steve um was like right come on and you'd gone Helen you'd gone back for a school play or something so mm-hmm. me and Steve we're, we're in like we're in some little town in in the south of England I can't remember where it was anyway so we went out and then I really really needed a wee but I couldn't go back in the pub and like, I was just too high to give any sort of a monkeys. <laughs> so I just squatted down by the van and I just did a pee in the car park. It was very dark and it was fine. There was no one there. Or so I thought we pulled away and then we were pulled over by the police. Oh, uh, no. Who I think might have seen me doing a wee. Um, and then they breathalyzed Steve. Uh, who and luckily he'd only had a pint of lager. He's a responsible driver. He'd only had a pint of lager, and then they were like, <clears throat> "Right, well, you're fine, sir. You're, you're fine to be on your way." Who, who's this? This car, by the way. And then Steve had to explain that it was my husband's car. <laughs> <laughs> and the police were like, "Where are you going now?" And he's like, "Well, we're going to a spa hotel because that's where <laughs> Helen and I always like to say." Busted. <laughs> Right, you're driving a woman who pisses in car parks in her husband's car to a spa hotel at midnight. Okay, that's fine. And then just about to go, right, you're fine to go. 
they'd suddenly look in the back of the car and they see the scumometer, which we use on the show. <laughs> yeah. And we would write little short versions of all the confessions and stick them on the scumometer yeah. board, like an ironing board. So the, the copper's like, um, can I just check? What What's this? And I look over and it says like, piss flaps. And like... <laughs> shit face dad and all of this and i'm like it's just um it's for work because then i'm high i just start hysterically laughing it's for um, work of course yeah. that's my job <laughs> so yeah frankly it's a miracle we were not arrested wow. so god bless the great british constabulary for, for seeing the funny him. side god bless them <laughs> and you know talking about scumometers and being scummy mummies i want to ask what is the scummiest thing that you talk about that is the most relatable or what is what do you guys have in your show that most people you find relate to some men are really great um i just want to caveat that but (laughs) i think it is the the drudgery of relationships that get actually the biggest kind of nods and cheers um in and and just the drudgery of parenthood really Mm -hmm. but we do we do lots of sketches and we actually play um, dads in the, in our comedy show as well but I think we also do and I hope this isn't too rude for your listeners we do sex positions for parents um, <laughs> Ellie and, and which I am the woman and she is the man and we actually acted out we are we're, we're sort of slightly clothed but that that has, that has been quite a big hit slightly... in the show would you agree Ellie yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll share one with you if you like, guys. Mm-hmm. You can try Love it, it out. Of course. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, how about try the multitasker? Okay. So what you do is, right, the lady's on all fours. Yeah. The okay. lady's yep. on all fours and the man's round the back. Yep. Doggy you know style. What I'm saying? Yeah, doggy style. Yep. Exactly. Um, but the trick is, if you do it in the kitchen, on the kitchen floor, <laughs> then you can, like, pick up old bits of Cheerios at the same time. <laughs> oh, have that's a look good. Under the fridge. See if there's any peas or chicken nuggets that have gone <laughs> under the counter, and then mm. it's you know it's like you get a lot you get a lot more done. It's genius. Yes, yeah. and because my love language, we've gotten into this, is doing those tasks. What what is that called again? Yeah, acts of service. Acts of service. And my love language is physical touch. So if we combine, it combines both. Love, maybe we'll have sex more if we combine our love totally. languages. Totally. Dirty Double and clean at the same time. That's that's that's. Yeah, you said dirty and clean at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's good. Um, Absolutely. And then, you know, for all the spillages afterwards, you're near a mop. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Um, I you're to, welcome, listeners. Yeah, well, a hundred percent. And that's actually a good segue into my next question. In North America, I find, perfect segue. I was hoping you would say that. Um, in North America, I find mom shaming is a big thing. And I was wondering. Is it? In England, is that is it more loose? Like, are you allowed to be funnier and take more risks without the worry of having a heap of women come down on you and be like, "Hey, you shouldn't be drinking." What do you mean by mum shaming? Like, how does it manifest in North America? Well, let's say you posted something and you're like, "Oh, I'm feeling a little tipsy and about to put the kids to bed," and then like, like <laughs> here you would get a lot of hate so, and yeah. Like for an example, like I put up um, a picture of my daughters and I having a picnic, and my baby was breastfeeding and I was having a glass of champagne, and I got so much heat for it, so much heat for it. Uh, really? And I was like, well, look, like scientifically, the baby's not getting any of the boots right now because I'm doing it at the same time. And it's even so, it's only one. Mm-hmm. So that's like. Or for example, you could never show your child in a car seat. Like yeah. if you were talking and being like, hey, here's my little. Because someone would find a way that your child was not sitting in the car seat correctly. 
And they would also be very upset that you were in a car talking to camera. Yeah. So oh, it's like, wow. so I assume you don't have to deal with that. because. <laughs> No, no, I, I don't, I don't think as much. I'm sure, I'm sure there are haters out there, and there are a lot, there are trolls and people that we know who are other mum influencers get get stick for stuff. Yeah. But often in in the UK, it's because they're too nice. I think it would mm. be the the reverse in the UK. So if they're in their nice house having organic blah 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 food, then they're then that's when they'll be trying to take them down a peg. Right. While the, I think it's, I don't know, what would you say, Ellie, as a as an actual British person? Yeah, I think you and I, you and I've been um, quite lucky, quite fortunate. But I think that's partly because the clue is in our name. Like mm -hmm. we're called the Scummy Mummies. Like yeah. if you're going to have a go at us for not being up to <laughs> yeah. scratch, like, you <laughs> yeah. haven't really, you haven't really understood the whole central tenet <laughs> of the thing. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I think celebrities get a bit of that sort of stuff mm -hmm. here, don't they, Helen? Mm -hmm. People get, yeah. people get. I feel like in Britain, maybe this is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like in Britain, people are more upset about animals though. People get very, very upset if you do something to cats or puppy dogs. That's, yes. oh, absolutely enrages people. Do you know what I mean? Children, yeah, give them a sausage roll, stick them in the buggy, I'll <laughs> do what you like. Along those lines, you know, over here, there's a lot of talk about um, mommy wine culture. And I know you guys make jokes about drinking wine, and I know a lot of people do. And there's kind of a movement to, like, say, let's not make jokes about this anymore because it could be a serious issue. What's your take on that? Um, I think you're – I think it's interesting. I think that's mm – -hmm. the, the tide is turning just a little bit. Um, we're really conscious of it because we, you know – we don't want to be seen to be promoting having a boozy, boozy, boozy lifestyle, but it is part of what we do. And we can't ignore that we like having a glass of wine at night or we like having a boozy lunch with our mates as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's, that's interesting. And, and, and you don't always want to have wine as the solution to everything, but mm -hmm. like you don't want to say, Oh, we'll just have a glass of wine. It'll be fine because mm -hmm. it's not always the, the answer. Yeah. But just most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, eleven o'clock's fine. Yeah. Um, absolutely, and it is something that's really popular when we when we when we post a picture of, on our Instagram account of us having a glass of wine. Everyone's like, "Yay!" Um, but I am conscious of that because it, you know there are a lot of people who don't drink anymore and all those mm -hmm. sort of things. So I think you have to kind of be mm -hmm. balanced about how frequently you do it, and you know, and often it's just photos of us without our kids that we're posting. Yeah. We're not saying yeah that, but I don't know. We we actually sell wine mugs, don't we, Ellie? Yeah. <laughs> nice yeah we do yeah like scummy yeah, mummy we... branded yeah of course. yeah they, they say scummy mummies on one side and then wine mug on the other and they're 12 pounds with free postage just before i mentioned it but um yeah uh it's it's something we are we have it we have been a bit more conscious of in recent years and we've also both had like breaks from alcohol at various times mm -hmm. like because we've been on funny diets or just trying to be a bit healthier when we were trained for the marathon things like that so we're conscious of all that but but yeah, we still make jokes about it, but also we're trying to find new ways. So for example, we had a joke in our show we just did at Christmas where we go, oh, isn't it a kind of a pain, you know, the people at Christmas who don't drink and everyone goes like, Ugh! and then we're like, yeah, because maybe they're actually quite happy with their lives. And everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. So <laughs> we're, we're, you can find the funny, I think, if you, if you, for both, for both sides, if you look hard enough. Okay, Ellie and Helen, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know who we are supported by. We are supported by the Miku Smart Baby Monitor. The Miku Smart Baby Monitor is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor ever. 
What I love is that there's actually no physical contact that it's making with your baby because they use sensor fusion technology. So other smart monitors, they need to attach a sock or like a chest strap oh, or something. Oh, I wouldn't let a monitor touch my baby with a 10-foot <laughs> pole. No way. Really though, the Miku smart monitor has amazing technology and it works with your smartphone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. Plus, they have crypto security, so that means there's no hacking, which is a very scary thought. The HD video and photo is incredible. There's great night vision, and there's a huge selection of sounds and lullabies and two-way talk. So if you want to get in on this, go to mikucare.com and use the promo code FAMILYTREE20 for $79 off. That's massive. This promo is for people in the U.S. only, but again, that is mikucare.com and FAMILYTREE20 for $79 off. No other monitor is a Miku. But now let's get back to our interview with Ellie and Helen. Yeah, and with a stand-up show, you obviously you do it a bunch and you keep curating it and curating it and getting it just right where you've mm -hmm. tested it with enough audiences. But a podcast, you're, it's more freeform. You're just being funny in the moment. And comedy is inherently risky. Like if it's not somewhat edgy, you may not get a laugh. Do you ever find when you're editing the podcast, oh, I got to take this out or I'm scared to have this out there and be permanently in the internet forever um i i, I edit the podcast yeah. and i say my my bar is, is quite low right. <laughs> <laughs> um i would probably say really there are there are there are three reasons to remove something mm -hmm. if it's boring or repetitive uh, <laughs> um which i often am um or if it's if, if it could be offensive mm -hmm. so even if we don't personally find it offensive we we're not out to hurt or upset yeah. anyone else yeah so we would get rid of that. And, uh, and also we do have a, a sort of, we, we, have, we have a consciousness that our children might listen to this mm -hmm. one day. So, you know, it's about what's okay for them to hear and not hear. And we, we do talk about them, but sometimes if we're telling a funny story, we might not say which child it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so they can lie to their friends and say it wasn't them in five years time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you, do you guys think about that or are you just, you're not bothered? Well, it's for me, I was on a podcast. I've been podcasting for many years and she, her and I just started yeah. in the last about year. Uh, so sometimes I've gone back and listened to stuff I was saying in, you know, 2014. I'm like, wow, geez, I, I, I spoke so carefree. And at the time it was funny, but then it's not as funny listening to now. So mm -hmm. I'm almost hoping I can mm -hmm. sneakily remove it. No one will notice. Like just the odd word that just is so off or not with the current times that I didn't even realize mm -hmm. it was a thing until I happened to listen to it now. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm certainly conscious of it, of it now. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. like you guys, like we don't want, we're not out to hurt anybody or offend anybody or anything like that. So, you know, sometimes we might have to take a step back and be like, oh, could this be seen as you know speaking about negatively towards whatever and that's yeah that's something i think we try hard like we're trying really hard to yeah avoid. well e even like uh, around the holidays like mm -hmm. i used to be like oh i feel so fat or something and then i that was offending a lot of yeah. people so i just had to change my language around that and it's something i just i don't say anymore yeah I, I i told a really hilarious story about <laughs> I'm having phone sex with a young German man the other day, and I'm, I'm pretty sure my kids are gonna love it. Um, yeah. So you know that's mm -hmm. that's good, and you know, good for European relations. Um, so yeah, post Brexit, we need right. all the help we can get. Oh, this is yeah. it. You know, yeah, lending a helping hand, so to speak. So are you calling up Greece next? 
Uh, yes, so far I've gone to, I've got, had Portuguese, uh, Italian, I haven't done French yet, but I'm, I'm working my way around. So yeah. Oh, hold on now. For other, you know, single mothers or fathers who may be listening to this podcast, what is this international phone sex line? No, it's <laughs> it's just Tinder. It's just, oh. it just happens to be same you thing. Know, potato, potato. London is a melting pot. I, it's not like I have a hotline, and I'm not. I mean, I could be making money off it. I mean, I've missed an opportunity it's there. Run a phone sex line. Yeah, <laughs> I should actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I I got a fun fact for you. Actually, I got a fun fact for you. Uh, apart from British people, I've slept with more Canadians than any other nation. There you oh, are. Wow. That's fact for you. Honored. That's yeah. very cool. What yes. is it about You're Canadians? Welcome. Well, in, in my twenties, I went backpacking in in Thailand. There's a lot of you about over there. Oh, yeah, a oh. lot of you doing the old scuba instruction. And obviously, you can speak English, so that that helps. And I found you have very good teeth. You two have very strong dental work. Oh, they're very strong. Oh, I'm flattered. You're like horses, Canadians. <laughs> very very good. Very strong. And what, and what? You, you, <laughs> In what sense are they like horses, really? <laughs> very, very strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking I'm, it as a compliment, especially say. as a man. I like to be like, oh, that guy's yeah. like a horse. Like, I like that rumor. Stallion yeah. vibes. Yes. And they're, you know, they hung like them and they go like them. Exactly. If you pat them on the bottom. Yes. If you pat them on the bottom in the right way. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever been compared to a horse and I'm owning it and loving it. Thank you. <laughs> but do you find that we have exotic accents? Because obviously you both have very appealing accents to Canadians. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. You guys have Oh, I found that out, my friend. Let me tell you. I exploited that. When, I, if I was chatting, when, when I'm talking to you now, I'm doing my normal sort of London voice. Right. But I also have my BBC voice that oh. I use when I'm trying to seduce a man from North America. Quite I think you'll find... Watch out because Shane's going to be very aroused the rest of the day. Yes, I'm so glad the this is not shot from the waist down right now. Actually, it's just showing me. <laughs> no, th this is helpful for the multitasking sex position you gave us later. Actually, so feel free, Ellie, to keep going. Right. No, you 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 need to practice your. Uh, you should do like pretend you're Princess Diana while you're there on the kitchen floor. It'd be lovely me for both or her? of you. Which, uh, yeah, would that Alex, turn Alex. And I, I, now that we're here, I guess I want to talk about what it's like being dating during the pandemic. Is it is it all Tinder? Is it all online? Is there any time where you've been like, hey, I'm getting the COVID test. We're meeting up and we're getting it on. Um, yeah, so there was a few windows of fuckery um, <laughs> during summer. And... Um, <laughs> And yeah, so now it's it's now it's just it's just right. Zoom sex and mm -hmm. and texting and sexting and all that sort of thing. So it's yeah, it's it's a little it's a little um not so much fun to be a single person right now. And I became single less than a year ago, so my my opportunities for dating have been very limited. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's a shame, but also you get creative, and also I think it's probably good because if I was set free. I mean, good Lord, the things I'd do. Um, so um, I think <laughs> I think it's it is it's really tricky um, because when uh, you want to meet someone, yeah, the opportunities aren't there. And a friend of mine said you can do Victorian dating, which is like she'll meet someone in the park and they they'll walk two oh, meters apart. I was like, oh, I'd rather I've, just I've never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> send pictures of my boobs to someone really then yeah. be close to someone not be able to touch them so i think i think it's um yeah it is it's definitely difficult um for that from that front sort of thing but mm -hmm. if you've got a partner you can bubble with someone else which means two households can come together mm -hmm. literally right <laughs> <laughs> 
That's very hard to do. Uh, yeah, I've never had that happen. <laughs> it's always like boom, and then like forty minutes later. But um, yeah. So so I'm being I'm being extra safe. Yeah, my children aren't here at the moment, obviously, because I wouldn't be talking like this. Right. They they have two nights a week where they're with their dad. So um, yeah, I'm I'm just at home being a very good citizen and not not having sex <laughs> currently. So for all the people here, because a lot of people during the pandemic have been getting divorces, like the divorce rate mm-hmm. is skyrocketing. Just to get both of your opinions, how long do you think is a good amount of time after a divorce to get back in the dating? Because when I was just dating, not married, I would be on Tinder the next day. Mm-hmm. That's how I would get over it through dating. It somehow would just make me feel yeah. better about the whole situation. But with a marriage, I'm wondering, is it like two months, two weeks? A year? Like how how long do you think is the normal amount or the right amount? From what I've heard and talked to other single friends, you're kind of pretty keen. Um, There's a great quote by Betty White, the best way to get over a man is good to get under another one. Um, So (laughs) I think, think, and look, I was married for 20 years. So I was kind of keen to kind of see what what dating was like. So so that was great. But yeah, for the first three months, I got um, divorced two weeks before lockdown. So I had three months of living in the house by myself. So I couldn't go out. I did start going onto Tinder and I had never done online dating before. So it was a bit of a kind of mm. minefield about it like, oh my God, all these people that you can have sex with. How exciting. So I think it was good in a way that I couldn't go out and date because I think I was feeling vulnerable mm-hmm. and I probably would have chosen some pretty silly, silly people. But yeah. Um, but yeah, but poor Ellie has been my Tinder support. And that I think that's harder in a way because she's had to listen to my lunacy and go, what about this one? And what about this one? So she's been very kind and very patient. Oh. Oh, I like it. Though. It's fun, you know, and it's, I'm glad you're having adventures and, you know, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I saw um, a post that you made the other day, Helen, and it was showing a card somebody gave you. It's a Jolene, you can keep them or something like that. And it was a congratulations on your divorce card. And I was curious if it's difficult to talk about some things, whether it's like too soon or too personal. But do you ever come across things like that that are difficult to talk about? And is your divorce easier or, or hard to talk about? Um, I think it's really important to talk about it kind of frankly, but within, you know, not giving away too many details, but also just how you're recovering from it. And I think that's mm-hmm. the main thing that I want to talk about. And I'll say how, just how amazing Ellie has been as a, as a support um, and friend and person. Um, one, one of the things that I um, really valued that Ellie was able to, I was able to outsource my rage and anger through her because mm-hmm. I'm not very good at anger and rage. She's excellent at it, aren't you, Ellie? <laughs> no, very, very good. Yes, I'm. I'm channeling a lot of rage uh, at the moment. At, in the evenings, I play. A, I, I'm a video gamer, and I play. Um, uh, I'm playing a game called Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Have you heard of this? I That's have. like a, a first-person shooter game. No, no. it's it's, a, it's it's like it's um, Vikings. They didn't have oh, guns, yeah. so it's a stabby, stabby, hacky slash game. <laughs> So it's set in ancient England and Denmark and that, and you're a Viking, you just go around and you just hack people to death with an axe, which I find very, very therapeutic. <laughs> it sounds so cathartic. And are you a yeah. gamer who plays every single night and you have like the headset and you're, you're speaking with people online? No, I don't talk to people. I don't go onto the internet. It's, it's a world of pain. Nobody wants to hang out with a 13-year-old death metal fan from Norway. Nobody wants that. Um, but no, my, my job before I was a comedian was a games journalist. So I used to play, um, so I've always played games. But yeah, I haven't played proper like hardcore games like that for a while. But you know, there's not a lot to do in Britain at the moment of an evening. So 
there we are. So, yes, yeah, so sometimes Helen tells me a thing that's perhaps gone on with, you know, perhaps someone in her life who she's not currently living with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go and hack someone to death in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> And we all feel a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what about when you think of your audience or, you know, just people online, whether you're doing a stand-up show or whether you're just putting stuff out on your Instagram or your podcast, do people ever get uncomfortable with subjects you broach? Because I know that sometimes you get trolls, but they're really just projecting their own insecurities. So do you ever find that, like, whether it's divorce, something in parenting, whatever? That's a really that's a really interesting question. I mean, we have um, Touchwood being quite lucky with people, and as as Ellie said, being called scummy mummies, I think has a good kind of overall yeah, um, yeah. Um, in kind of definition of what we do. So people come to us for a specific reason because they feel comforted by how crap we are at being parents because <laughs> <laughs> generally fumbling our way through. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. And I think because we've been doing it for eight years, we've kind of got a sense of what works with our audiences mm-hmm. and we sort of trust our instincts about what's right what's right for them sometimes we get it wrong and you know that's just life isn't it but I think I think people kind of treat us as friends and they see us as their sort of boozy mates yeah I, I I hope so I think so and you know I feel like it's part of getting older as well isn't it is is part of you sort of I don't know it took me till I was about in my 30s really to kind of go hang on not not everybody is gonna like me and that's all right mm-hmm. that's okay yeah. um I, I can't make everyone like me and, and I and I can live with the fact that they don't and actually perhaps I am quite annoying and sweary and I drink too much for some people that's and that's their right as well that's their right to to feel like that about me and and you know uh, also fuck them so uh, <laughs> they, they can fuck off so yeah I'm very very mature that's what I'm saying <laughs> do you feel that the podcast is something you'll be doing for the rest of your life comfortably I, I, I love the silence between the two of us. I, I mean, I'd like to go as long as we can. Mm-hmm. It's been so much fun and I keep learning what I really love from it. It, it started off as a very much parenting focus, young child mm-hmm. parenting focus. And it's just kind of adapted to the things that we're interested in, us being older women, all that sort of thing. And I, that's what I like about it. It's just our baby that we're kind of shaped and, and we've got great guests and all that sort of stuff. And, and it, and it still makes us money and people are still listening. So I think, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, I think it's, it's been a, it's been really great and it's taken us to amazing places and we've recorded all over the place. So I think, um, yeah, it'd be great to go along as long as possible. And now, the, and now the awkward silence where Ellie replies. Yeah, Ellie, 20 years from now, will you be doing this podcast? Actually, um, this is a bit awkward, Helen. I've got something to tell you. Uh-oh. I was going to wait till after this recording, but seeing as you brought it up, uh, no. Yeah, no, I've, I think um, we've we've always sort of agreed, H, haven't we? As long as it's... Well, two things, but one wait, sorry, sorry. Uh, something has gone terribly wrong with your audio. It was like... <clears throat> yeah, your audio, Ellie. Uh, maybe it's better without the headset on for now. Sounds like you've got alien interference. (laughs) It's kind of cool in a way. Do you want to try maybe exiting and then coming back? Sometimes it's something as simple as that can work. If I'll leave and then you can talk about me and then I'll come back. (laughs) Okay. I know. Hi, guys. (laughs) See, Zoom is good in some ways and then terrible in another Mm. way. I'm sometimes always on edge, especially if the connection's choppy, but. 
Yeah. And no, it was so good up until then as well. You're doing the podcast weekly? Yes. Yes. We're thinking yeah. of actually adding another episode so to have two a week. Like a short. Yeah. You're on more of a two a month schedule, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. And it's been that way forever. And it also worked out really well, especially when we've been touring. Oh, and so just good. Yeah, that's a nice, comfortable pace. And you probably have so much great material to always talk about. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And we don't do it like sometimes we'll just do a whole backload of um, what's it called? Um, recordings. Like we'll yeah. record cool. podcasts in a week and then we've got sort of that's that'll do us for eight weeks. So it's been good to do that way. How are you doing, Elle? I don't know. How do Perfect. I how do I sound? Yeah, so much good. better. Yeah. So much better. Thank you. That's awesome. Turn it off and on again. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a confession about me. Uh, I'm terrible when this happens on Zoom. And it remembering what the person was saying as it cracked up. And it always makes the person feel like I wasn't listening. Oh. But I was. No, I Where always, were we? I always remember what I was saying because I'm very, very interesting. Okay. So um, <laughs> what I was saying was, um, no, I was saying we've always sort of said, like we've always said family first, haven't we, Helen? So like we've yeah. always said if a, if a kid is sick or even if sometimes if a kid needs attention, which it turns out they do a lot, <laughs> then that's the priority. Yeah. But also like it has to be fun. Do you know what I mean? It always has to be what we're doing has to be fun. And sometimes it isn't and it's work. But yeah, I think so as long as the podcast is is fun, I'm up for it. I'm I'm in. I mean, yeah, why not? Let's go. Let's get another 40 years. Let's do it. Sweet. Absolutely. <laughs> and do you think since the pandemic has struck, obviously there's a oh shit. I gotta get new batteries. Fuck. Sorry. I'm just can gonna have a me okay. Yeah. No, we can eat. Yeah, listen, like, Wiley's not uh, listening. Uh, Wiley's not there. How how's oh, the marriage going? They can't hear us. Right. They've been asking a lot of questions about online dating, Helen. I don't think it's going very well for them. I think we <laughs> might have started we might have started a divorce but just yeah. by making them row of each other about what types of people they are and things like that. I think yeah, this could be the end. It's a donkey. It's we've started something. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Ruined your marriage. Sorry, okay. where were we? <laughs> I can't remember what we were talking about now. Oh, oh, I love the, the, the thing you're talking about is that would we continue podcasting and like yeah, very. <laughs> then the Lord smote us. He sent us a message. Oh yes, now I, now I know where I was. I was saying obviously during the pandemic, so many things that we can complain about. But for a podcast, do you think it's actually been helpful in a weird way? Because just talking from our own experience. We're talking to people from all over the mm -hmm. world now because with the Zoom technology, it just seems like we can interview anybody. Yeah, we're a bit behind because mm -hmm. we're a bit, well, I'm the technical sort of tech. Tech is my job and I'm a bit lazy. And uh, uh, so we haven't, we haven't really got it together to do remote recording yet. It's something we're looking into next week. But yeah, because we're going to have to. But um, yeah. part of it has always been, um, you know, one of the things people say often about our podcast is they like it because they like it. It feels like sitting around a kitchen table having mm -hmm. a bottle of wine with friends. So we've always sort of insisted on doing it in person. Yeah. But you know, maybe maybe we just we we have to go with it, don't we? We have to. So yeah. But it seems like it's working for you guys. It's working out all right. Yeah, we're having a blast. It's. Yeah. I think podcasting in general for us has gotten way more fun because I've gotten more comfortable with it. It was something that was so far out of my forte. Shane was always really good. Uh, you were, and it's, yeah, it's gone more comfortable. It's like, we've gotten used to zoom. The first couple times we did, it was weird. Like our very first celebrity interview, we had the camera like shooting up our nostrils Yeah, we didn't have and it, it was no. really embarrassing and it stayed like that the entire time. It was really awful. So now it's fun and it's, it's so enjoyable and we're getting to make these connections that we otherwise wouldn't have had like with you guys. And this is like, it's amazing. 
So I'm having a blast. Mm. Is your audio gone again, Ellie? Well, you know what? I think we've Fuck. we've done we've done a long time. I think this was a pretty good interview anyway. We have, like, I have one more one, question. One more question. And Ellie can answer with her uh, alien crazy voice. Audio. I will subtitle it. That's good. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> would you rather? I'm oh. going to give you three oh, options. Yeah. You're going to have to pick a would you rather. Would you rather have a perfect husband? Would you rather have 10 million pounds? Or would you rather have the most renowned parenting podcast, but perhaps not earning 10 million pounds? I know what I'm doing. I'll have the 10 million pounds. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've just written it in the chat. I've written it in the chat for you. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Gibbo says to everyone, 10 million pounds. That, yeah, that, that one's pretty easy. Take the money. You can, you, can, you can buy everything else like that. Who'd want a husband? I mean, <laughs> some of them but I found I don't need one. Um, so. And congratulations in that journey and in that realization, by the way, because I know that. Hey. No, but I think that's a, a really great journey of self-discovery, mm-hmm. really. Oh. I don't know how I'd be able to deal with that. Like, I'm quite dependent. The other day, <laughs> by the way, I was, I was mentioning how we were on a podcast the other day. She said she wouldn't take $100 million to be apart from me for a year, which I was very flattered by. It's what I is know, she talking I about? No, I, I agree. No, That's there's insane. Th- be, okay, first of all, we're stuck in, in lockdown together. So I'm dependent for a friend. And in this like situation, you're still married. So it's like, you know, I, I couldn't cheat on him with a clean conscience. You know, oh, oh, like it's just about sex. I'm double flattered. Is sex <laughs> that good with me? Wow. It exists. Yeah. It exists. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a horse. Sex is great with me. This has been an amazing podcast. This is like my favorite one we've ever done. <laughs> You're so welcome. You're yeah. so welcome. <laughs> now you can go off and have sex in the kitchen. 100%. And she- We're doing it tonight. I know I said I had a headache, but forget that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And those pig noises are just doing it for me. Oh, my God. He did I say- love you guys. No. You're amazing. I want to come to Canada and live with you. I think oh, you're brilliant. Please do. We'll host you anytime. But, no, he did say he had a headache. But I didn't say I had a headache. First well, of all, feeling good. welcome to our personal life here. Uh, but <laughs> first of all, you said you had a headache yesterday. And then today I said, oh, I wasn't feeling that great. So I said Friday. Let's plan for that. But, sure, let's do it tonight. But <laughs> so send us an email. Let us know how it yeah. goes. <laughs> but uh, truly, you know, you guys ever come to Canada? Let us know you have a spot. And my family is from South End on Sea, so we do have. Uh, what we, is that? We have South End on Sea. South End on Sea. It's a uh, in Essex. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And then Shane's pops was born in in Scotland. That's so true. We got, we got yes. UK roots. Hundred percent. Have you got any single Canadian brothers? Yes. Great. Let's, wait, let's go. Oh, I'm yes. booking a plane. I'm booking a plane. We're going over, <laughs> We've We've got one who absolutely loves ladies. Yes, 100% loves women. Yeah. He's, oh, I, I, I'd I, say I, renowned for that. It's ideal. Sounds ideal. <laughs> but truly, Helen, Ellie, thank you so, so much for coming on today. And it, for our listeners, if they want to find your stand-up, your Instagram, your books, where can they find all of your information at? Well, we're on Instagram at Scummy Mummies. That's S-C-U-M-M-Y, <laughs> Scummy Mummies. And um, scummymummies.com. And, um, yeah, we've, we've got our podcast, which you can just, it's called Scummy Mummies Podcast. Anything else, Ellie? And we do fashion and video games. I do video games at Ellie Gibson Games on Instagram. And you do your fashion one, don't you, Helen? 
I do. Helen wears a size 18 on Instagram. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Nice. Awesome. Ladies, thank you so much. Have a fabulous rest of your week. And truly, thank you for sitting down with us today. It was so lovely to meet you. I think you're brilliant. Thank you very much for having us. Oh, likewise. Very much likewise, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> have a great Take night. Care. Bye. See ya. There you have it. I hope it lived up to the laughs that Alex was saying. <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it now. And honestly, I had so much fun. And Shane and I often talk about how right after we do an interview with somebody, we feel like we are so close to that We're their best friends for 10 minutes. Yeah. And I kind of wish that feeling would never go away in their minds about us because I really liked them. I wonder if they even remember we exist. I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) But who's our next interviewer? Okay, this is Alex Ponovic. He's an actor. He's incredibly talented. He is an amazing storyteller, all-around great guy. We feel very lucky that we got to have him on our show, and I do think that you will enjoy this little interview. Yeah. It's a normal length, actually. It's not a little interview. But we'll get to that in a moment because right now we have to tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the most comfortable and cute nursing bras that you will find out there. You're telling me. They support our podcast, but mostly they support you. They support me. They support me in my changing breast size, obviously. If you're a mom who is nursing, if you've gone through pregnancy, you know how many times these suckers can change their shape. And Bravado has kept me so comfortable through each transformation. Not only that, but even after I weaned Lucy, I started wearing my Bravados every day because... They are just so comfortable. I'm like Homer Simpson that everything in my closet's the same, you know? But Bravado Designs just started making an everyday collection, which is so exciting for me and for other people who like to wear bras who aren't nursing their baby. There are no clips, but the same amazing comfort for your boobs. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of the website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com or ca.bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. But we are also supported by... My Breast Friend. My Breast Friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. B-R-E-S-T. B-R-E-S-T. And Shane, even you got in on the My Breast Friend when we first brought Lucy home. Well, you know I get jealous. (laughs) So for more than 25 years, My Breast Friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. Lactation consultants around the world credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible. And I actually, just in conversation with a fan of our podcast learned that they also make pillows for twins. So they really cover all their bases here and they keep everybody in every baby so comfy. I want to know if there's a triplet pillow. I want to know too. But it's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. And you can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. But now let's get to our interview with Alex Ponovic. Alex and Alex, Alex, thank you. <laughs> Eastern European as well. Where? Where? Uh, Polish Russia. Amazing. Yeah. And thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We are so excited about this. So, Alex, of course, you are an actor. You've got Snowpiercer, Van Helsing, C, a lot of great 
uh, series and films under your belt. And one thing I'm just, I'm dying to know, and I want to ask off the top. Your parents are immigrants from Syria, I've read. No. What is, no? Yeah. Serbia. Serbia is Serbia. what I meant. That's what I meant. So we have so lots close. of we have lots of no, we have lots of Syrian immigrants where we live. That's why I was uh, mixing up in my head. But parents are immigrated from Serbia. So my grandmother from Poland, she would have killed me if I got into acting. Her thing was always uh, lawyer, doctor, teacher, nurse, any of those really traditional careers, like any other immigrant parent I know. How do your parents feel about acting? That's, that's a great question. My brother, who is like one of my best buds, he's 18 months older than me, and he went into medicine. So he's a doctor of internal medicine and chief res and quite high up there in Canada. I can't compete with that. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, when we were growing up, for me, it was, I was more, I was just more athletic and creative. And, and you know, I started playing music when I was a uh, uh, early teens and, and, um, and also boxing, but it was mostly, I, I just loved getting more kinetic. And mm -hmm. so my mom understood, my mom and dad really understood. And they just like, whatever you want to do, whatever you find passion in and can make that a career, I support you. But it definitely was tough for them. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was talking to my mom the other uh, last month and she finally told me that cause we would tour our band would tour and Saturday nights was our travel night. So that's when we would go to the next bar, but that would be like after we unloaded. So like three o'clock in the morning, we load up and we go to the next bar for the week. And they, they never slept Saturday nights. They <laughs> never slept. They were just like, they didn't want to be on me, but they also were like, okay, please just call us when you get, when you get into the next spot. That's and amazing. you know, they, they, yeah, they went, they went through a lot of stuff with me, not like carousing or like, I, I just was, I was passionate and, and driven to do something fun and exciting. So I, I never really wrapped my head around the lawyer or the doctor. I just, we just kind of, my brother and I were great friends growing up also. So I admired him and he admired what, what I was doing. And, and so it was great. No, I, I respect that. And I also know that you were a boxer or still box. I'm not sure, but that would give me, I, we have two daughters and having a child enter a career like that, or having a passion like that would give me a heart attack. And so how did your boxing career start? How did, how did you get into that? Well, I have three generations of boxers in my family. My, my grandfather, my uncle, my dad, and my dad and I never had a great relationship. I'm a full-blown mama's boy. My dad and I never had a great relationship, but the one thing that we connected on was boxing. Mm -hmm. So we always came back to that. And so we just, I just kind of went with that, but never wanted to make it a, a career thing. It was more to bring my dad and I together than it was to like be a champ, even though I, I respect boxers immensely. I think it's a beautiful sport. Yeah, for me, it was about the relationship more than anything. And were your parents uh, together or separated? Yeah, they're together, together. still together, 52 years. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes I wonder this when someone is a big guy, like I, especially in the NBA and action stars, I wonder, like if I see a seven foot guy, I'm like, is he passionate about basketball or did basketball find him? And you're an action right. star kind of. Did the, did the action career find you or did you go out seeking that? I think it found me, but it also, I, I feel like my, the energy just opened up because I'm just a physical guy in general. And, you know, when you, when you're around people and you're see, seeing people work, like the very first job I had, the stunt coordinator, I was acting in it and st- stunt coordinator was like, you know, you're a big dude. We don't have any big dudes on the stunt team. Do you want to try that? And I was, and I was like, yeah, I'll try that. But it was also something that I needed to put a, a, a hard stop on because I started booking quite a bit as in stunts and a stunt actor. And I was really passionate about acting. And usually when you're doing stunts, you're, you're kind of neglecting the acting aspect of it. You would lose more opportunities because you're doing something stunt worthy. So when I moved from my hometown of Winnipeg to Vancouver, Canada, on my way to Los Angeles, but when I first got to Vancouver, I was like, I'm not going to take any more stunt gigs. I, and I was sleeping on my friend's floor. I had no money. I'm in my 30s. And, and it was just something where I was like, I have to put up at least a year's work um, worth of work into strictly acting classes and going to New York, going to Los Angeles for just um, really great instructors to help me out. And, and I needed to put that hard stop. But again, Whenever I book something, I can't wait to do my own fight scenes and and do do the stunts um, that I can do. So um, it definitely helped me with being an actor. And you you mentioned L.A. there. I know you were you were living in L.A. for a brief period, and you came back to Canada. What is it like being an actor in Canada? Because sometimes you hear that this is Canada North and it's thriving, and other times you hear it's not so hot. So what's your perspective on that? I think it's amazing. Like for instance, my hometown of Winnipeg, which is a thriving industry right now, and they have arguably the best tax credit in North America at 65%, up to 65%, which is pretty massive. And so they're they're doing quite a bit of, of stuff within a small community. And I'm, I'm a part of a partnership from Los Angeles that we're trying to open up a, a film studio there because they don't have it. For such a huge tax credit, they don't have a you know, like a, like a Hollywood level studio. Sorry. Could you explain the tax credit to me? Just like the, what compared to what, like, what is that tax credit advantage? For instance, Los Angeles has a tax credit of, I I think it's like around 25%. New York has a tax. Everyone has a certain amount of tax credits, but the, the the Canadian tax credit plus the dollar really makes it an advantageous thing for somebody that's coming into Canada, having the dollar where it's at and the tax credit. So it's up to 65%. So if you use X amount of locals, you get a break, a tax break on hiring local. You Ah. get a tax break on the further, further out you go within the city, like in rural areas, you get more of a tax credit because you're giving to those communities jobs. So yes. it kind of it kind of waterfall backs down. And what's really interesting about Winnipeg, my hometown, is that there's two governments. So they rarely do they agree, but they both agreed on the tax credit at uh, up to 65%. So it's, it became a permanent tax credit, which allowed more people to come in. Now with Vancouver, 
uh, it's like Hollywood North, they call it, and it's two hours away from Los Angeles. Winnipeg is a two-hour time difference and a four-hour flight. But Vancouver is, a, uh, I think they're around 28% with the tax credit. But it's just so much easier for Hollywood to go there and have cask fly in and out, which means it gives a lot of locals amazing opportunities to work. Even though you're even though you're a tax credit when you're an actor, but you're working on big shows and, and big actors, yeah, yeah. big actors, mm-hmm. big shows, and and there's a lot of experience in Canada that people, especially in Vancouver, I can only speak for Vancouver at how it's absolutely thriving right now, especially during, you know, the pandemic where they're you know everyone's going through their issues right now, but Vancouver, Van Helsing was the first show to go up after the first lockdown. And we had everyone, everyone in the community watching us to see how we're going to navigate this or if we're going to get shut down or what, how are the tests? And we ended up finishing the season and then all of a sudden everybody else went, okay, we can do this. So yeah, that's basically, I think Vancouver is a, is a great place for, for people to go to, to, to just get involved with acting because mm-hmm. there's so many things happening. And they have to hire locally to a certain extent. And, I, you know, if it wasn't for Vancouver, I, I don't I definitely wouldn't have been working the way I've been working in the last bunch of years. When you were on your way up in the circuit and with this tax credit and the advantages, was there any actor that you acted with where you just were couldn't believe you were in the same scene with them? Like like a superstar thing? Yeah. And it's like, oh, you have this tax credit and all of a sudden you're acting with. I don't know. I'm going to say Anthony Hopkins because I know you have an Anthony Hopkins. Uh, okay, you know. okay, you knew it. I was like, yes. what? Oh, I didn't know I mean, that was a part of it, though. No. I didn't know you acted with him. Oh, you didn't? You just no. threw Anthony no. Hopkins out there? Well, I knew there was an Anthony Hopkins story, but I didn't know yeah. you acted with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's stuff like that. Keanu Reeves, Anthony Hopkins, Andy Serkis. I just had some great opportunities to work with some just amazing mentors and people that I've looked up, looked up to. And, and the idea that, you know, you're in a scene playing with them right now and your brain always takes you to a certain level of going, well, they're there and, you know, hopefully I'll get there. But when you actually meet the person that you were talking about, it's just playing. It's, it's exactly the same. You do the work and, and you be open enough to each other and you just, and you just kind of make it happen. So it definitely took the mystique away, which mm-hmm. is great because yeah. I'll shit my pants. And his pockets <laughs> so they weren't at Keanu and Anthony Hopkins are not assholes. No, they, those two mint can Keanu was mint. He's exactly <laughs> like you would think in a way where we had a scene to do and we did a blocking in a forest and then the trailers are back here. And then the forest is all in front. And so we went, okay, we'll go back to the, go back to the trailers and we we bit back here in 15 minutes to shoot after the blocking. Well, he just walks by himself into the woods and everyone else is going back and jumping in cars to get back to the trailers, which is like a two minute ride. And he's just walking into the woods and he sits on a log and he's got a smoke and he's just sitting there. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like just the the backdrop, the forest, the sun's coming in and it's just him like having a quiet moment. I'm like, this guy's dope. <laughs> so, is yeah. is there anything that they that you can glean from them working with them? Do they 
talk to you about film, about career, or is it, you know, kind of strictly business? They want to make the best product. Mm-hmm. So they, whoever's in the scene is a part of the life of what's going on. And, and Keanu was great because we were doing a blocking and the director was suggesting stuff and then, and it wasn't quite working. And, and some of the other actors within the scene were going, well, I, you know, I can start over there if you want me to come in a little later. And Keanu was like, okay, so why don't we just run it? So he then took control of the set and let, and just kind of massaged it, but not disrespectfully to anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool that he didn't lose his temper. He didn't, he, he wasn't annoyed. He was just like wanting to work on something that we needed to work on. And I think Jennifer Conley and, and Snowpiercer, she's the same. She's one of the smartest actors I have ever worked with. It was a, emotional just to watch her own the set with mm-hmm. so much respect, and love and compassion for everybody else around. And you watch her, you know, with her ex- expertise and the way she handles a set and making a scene better. You, I was just in awe. She was just absolutely lovely and super bright. And Hopkins and I, we, I mean, that's a story. I, I, I don't know if you guys want to hear that story. I do. Yeah, that's, yeah. I was going to ask about that because when he said Hopkins, you reacted so huge. And I was like, there's got to be more there. Yeah, it's Sir Anthony Hopkins, right? He still has the Sir there, right? I don't know. Maybe yeah, he doesn't. Sir, sir yeah. Anthony Hopkins. He, he's one of my favorites of all times. Like, I, I loved everything that he did. And then I had this opportunity that I got cast in a film with him, and I was opposite him on a few scenes. And it was one of those things where I'm, I'm on set and, we're, and my first day on set. And then I hear the AD go, um, Tony's traveling right now. And I'm like, holy shit, they're calling Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I'm like, okay, be cool. Don't fangirl. Don't fangirl. Don't fangirl. <laughs> I'm just talking to myself. And sure enough, he walks in and you literally, I guess because of how much I revere him, but you literally feel the temperature in the room change. You feel something cool just walked in. And, and they're going, okay, Anthony's on set. And I hear him walking behind me and I went, don't fangirl, don't fangirl. And all of a sudden the AD goes, um, Alex, so this is Tony. I went, what's up, man? <laughs> and, I turned, and I turned around and I went, oh my God, that was way too, listen, I'm just freaking out right now because I didn't want to fangirl. I'm fangirling, I'm fangirling. <laughs> and we just, we just laughed. And then we sat down and he just mentioned how big I was and what sports that I, I did. And I mentioned boxing. He goes, I used to box. I love boxing. So now we're having this conversation minutes after meeting and the ADs and the director are all around waiting for the moment so they can go, we should go to set and block. And everything in me is going, don't, don't interrupt this amazing moment that I'm talking to Hopkins about boxing. And he's quizzing me about like 1930s fighters. And I would quiz him and we'd be like, oh, like it was just, it was like a couple of kids. So then we get on set and he was like, do you mind if we just, and I'm freaking out as we're walking there, remembering my dialogue, relax. And he goes, do you mind if we just play and improv a little bit? I'm like, yeah, I would love to. So we do the scene and he, and he leaves the scene and then I leave the scene and then it's a cut and there was just a blocking and he runs back and he says, uh, oh, make sure you say that thing because it helps me bring my gun out quicker. I went, okay, but you got to say that other thing for me to say that thing. He goes, okay, I'll say that. I'm like, this is exactly like class. This is like what I do with people when I'm working with them. And 
And it was just such an amazing moment of us jamming and having a good time. And then the next day, this is where it, it was really interesting. I was like, so we built this rapport and I said, look, all the beautiful work that you've done, everything that you've done in your career, like what is, what is this like secret? Like, is there some little tidbit that I can put in my back pocket? Because all, and I'm, my gestures were this, like, you know, the, the things that you do, Legends of the Fall. I go, how could I get there? And he goes, you'll never get there. <laughs> <laughs> Words of encouragement. Nice. <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, you, you have been talking about what I do as if it's above you. And you will never reach that because you'll always put it above you. And I've, I've, I haven't put myself there. You did. So you're just going to hit your head at the bottom of a pedestal that you put. So you'll never reach something if you're mm -hmm. looking at it that way. The only thing I did different from all the other like amazing films, Academy Award winning things, the only thing that was different was nothing. I did exactly the same thing for every film. I worked hard. I worked on what I needed to do. And then I just did it exactly like what we just did in that scene. And I was just like, wow, man. Like it was the most potent advice that I could that I could get. And did that did that change your ethos at all, or how you approach projects when you go into them? Absolutely. All all I know is that I'm super confident in the aspect of, of relating to people, and 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 being creative within that situation, and and empowering people around me. And I've always felt that was something I, I can't wait to cultivate within a project. But I always, because I got into it late, I really didn't know if that was the right way to go. And when he expressed that and other people that I worked with, Jared and Jensen on a show called Supernatural, who that's been going for 15 yeah. years, they were the best hosts. Like every time anybody, any guest star went on, they made them feel like they were a part of the, the Supernatural family. And that's when I kind of, when I first started, I kind of went, okay, this can be successful if you're just kind to people and exchanging that energy. And I've been in other situations with people and stars that, that did not do that. And you just want to leave set. You just want to do your work and get out. I don't even want to help just, just, just a paycheck. Um, there's so much, there's so much joy on a set and it, it really gets, it really gets me when, when leaders of the show, the leads don't really, grab onto that absolutely you you said that you because you got into it late when did you get into acting at what point in your life well I, i've had two different careers i started music like i've always known how to box but i never competed when i was younger mm -hmm. but music was the thing that my dad didn't want anything about so i was like oh okay i think i'll play some bass you know and so but then i, I it was in this creative state with uh, guys from high school, 14 years old, we were playing in bars and, you know, you would, we would play a set and then we would have to go up to the hotel room because we were underage <laughs> and then come back to play. So we couldn't put our feet off the stage or else we were part of the bar. So we had to leave the stage right out the back door, but we would do that. And then when we graduated, we just decided to tour all over, all over Canada. What and that was that metal. Nice. Very nice.
a lot of a lot of good acts from Vancouver. Yeah, de- definitely. One of my favorite groups, uh, DOA and Joey Shithead. They're from oh, out west. Yeah. And that's awesome. like great scene in Vancouver and Winnipeg. That's awesome. Yeah. So was that's the, awesome. was the music thing like kind of like a fuck you to your dad? No, it what it wasn't a fuck you to him. It was more of a um leave me alone. Yeah. It wasn't to piss him off. It was literally just like don't don't even try to get in my bubble because mm-hmm. it, it just we just never got along. So, you know, I, I excelled in baseball and football, and he was always at those events. But there was something when I picked up a base and he just walked right by me. And I was like, okay. You know, and our relationship's fine now, you know, but when you're younger, that's that's just the way it rolled. And then it became this thing where you know, I would play in my band and then the band broke up years later and then I played with another band and then I really started going like, I, I, I don't feel like this is the thing that I want to do. And I was playing on stage. A casting director asked if I wanted to audition for a movie while I was playing on stage and then I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try anything. Ended up getting the part and I was I was like, okay, this, this feels kind of good. Mm-hmm. And it kind of went from there, but I really didn't start booking till, you know, late thirties. I didn't start booking consistently till my forties. Wow. So, and it was, it was tough because I I kind of felt lost a lot of times. Like, is this the right thing? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not really making a living right now. I'm living on a friend's floor, but every time I went to class and had that connection knowing that I can have that one day on a set. And, and I was in a class, I was in cl- a bunch of classes with guys that are like 10, 15 years younger than me that are booking. And I'm like, I never, I, I never felt a jealousy of it. I always felt like it was tangible. Like one of my great friends, while we were studying in class and became really tight, he booked a massive show, but it wasn't like, Oh man, it was like, like I was so excited for him and I grab his shoulder. It's like, that's how close it is for me. Like it's right there. Yeah. And that's what drove me is that the, the, the other people's successes around me and how they handled it, how they didn't handle it. Well, knowing that when I had my opportunity, it, it, it really grew into a fact of knowing that the opportunity will come if I just stay pers- consistent and persistent. Absolutely. It, it can be so scary. I mean, I just remember even, you know, the fear and getting into mind. Like I teach, uh, we do this podcast, we have our own business. And every time you take a leap, it can terrify you. And, you know, as a parent now and having people to support, that makes it even more terrifying. And I just, I keep thinking about, you know, relationships and how work impacts them. And from you going to all these careers, and you said that, you know, you and your dad have a great relationship now. Is that because of your love of boxing? Or is that because, you know, he just kind of got into what you do and acting is a very tangible job, like he can watch you on TV. So how how did that reconnection come? The reconnection came, he wasn't going to change. So I had to change. I had to not take the things so personally or try to get his validation. And it changed when I, I, I just accepted him the way he was. It was a lot of, a lot of work that I did on it because I didn't want, I, I just didn't want to cut off our relationship because I knew that there was a good man there. I knew there was a relationship there. I just had to conform into what he, his line was. And what was so interesting is once I did that, all his 
all his armor kind of dropped when I was, as opposed to both of us kind of going back and forth. And he's super proud that of, of the things that I'm doing. But obviously, you know, right off the bat, when I say I want to be an actor, he was like, one of his big things to this day is I, I would tell him I booked something and, and he would be like, so you, you play cowboy? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, Pop, I'm not playing a cowboy. It's a war movie. Nah, you should play cowboy. <laughs> that's, that's, he just wants me to be a cowboy. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Will you ever be a cowboy? Yeah, when's the cowboy rope? I don't know. I've been trying to get a gig. It's like everyone's going, I'm not going to, I almost enjoy not playing a cowboy just because he keeps on asking about it. But he'll, he'll like, he'll, he's very proud of me. And he, he's one of those dudes that will tell the whole world, but he won't tell me. Right. But I, I get it. I yeah, get no, I get that too. Point. All right, Alex, we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip Spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. And right now I'm drinking the best drink that Alex has ever made with Seedlip. And it could not taste this good without Seedlip. I know, I know. We've tried to do the opposite swap and it never works. Seedlip brings such a unique flavor and such a unique vibe to the table. And as a non-drinker, it never feels great when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. But now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. This is more of an adult beverage than a lot of adult beverages that have alcohol in them, I would say. Oh, hands down. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors. They pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic, but if you want to make more complex cocktails like Shane and I do, you can check out the cocktails in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off of your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and ThisFamilyTree10. But now let's get back to our interview. But now let's get back to our interview with Alex. So being an actor, 99% of actors are not successful and, and you are obviously, but are you upset that you're not that household name? Like, again, I'm going to drop another name, Jason Momoa, which I hear you have a connection with somehow. Is there anything in you that's like, I'm going to be that one day or have you let go of that and just worried about the craft or it as a, looked at it as a job? What great question i i'm you know starting out in it that whole appeal of being a household name was definitely a huge huge push as the years went on there's something about because i've seen you know hanging out with jay and 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 just keanu just that idea of the idea of not having that privacy which to me i as i get older i really enjoy so to be able to 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 have my investments, work work really hard, love what I do, meet new people, have new experiences, have, a, have different levels of experience. And it's really interesting because 
you never know when you're going to work or when you're not going to work. You just hope you're putting all the irons in the fire and you hope people want you around and you're, and you're just pleasant to be around. The idea of that driving me is more than, than the star quality. And, you know, as long as I can pay rent and, you know, live a comfortable life, I'm, I'm really happy to where it's at. Like the idea with Van Helsing, five years on that show, that to me is, I don't know if I'll ever get that again. Actually, I know I will never get something like that again because that was my first one. And the love on set was so great and I loved being a host. That's the kind of stuff that I want, regardless, like regard, like sci-fi, like we were on sci-fi, we weren't on a major network. That that still is rock and roll to me. That That's beautiful stuff that I can still, we could still get five years of really good content and share them energies around each other. And if that's what I get out of it, as opposed to being in a very pub, uh, high public, a huge paying job that I don't like, that's, I, I would easily do the job that I love and mm-hmm. get paid less. Well, I know you're like Julius on Van Helsing was such a beloved character. Like you have a huge yeah. fan base from that show. It's yeah. wild. And then I know that Momoa had to call you up and convince you to take a smaller role on C with him. So is there, right. is there a stigma in taking smaller roles? Like No, not necessarily a stigma. I just knew that, my buddy was coming in and he was part of this big show and I went in and I read for, I did an audition and I didn't get the role that I wanted. And then this other role came up and I never wanted to talk to Jay about what I was auditioning. I didn't want to be in his ear. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get it cause I was Jay's friend. So when the audition came, I just didn't let him know. So then I got the offer for the smaller role and I was, and I was more like, you know what, this is just the first episode. Maybe there's a five episode arc, you know, down the line. So I, I, I passed on it. And then the director reached out again and I passed again. And they, the director and Jay were having dinner and he was like, yeah, I got this great guy to, to, for that big fight scene, but he turned it down a couple of times. And cause Jay has worked in Vancouver before. He was like, I, I know these, like, who was it? And he says my, my name. And Jay's like, what, what? <laughs> and he calls me up, listen, motherfucker, you're going to do this. <laughs> like he just went off. I want to, I'm in, let's do it. And honestly, I, I talk about that because it ended up being one of my favorite roles, mm-hmm. just how we got to create it and how we really got to shape it, which wasn't what it was in the script and became better when we were, shooting it and it was one of those moments where you're like no small role is a small role so i i i taught a lesson on that one and uh thankful thankfully to jay uh, uh we went through with so, it so wait your friend who you were talking about who got the the role in the big series that was jason momoa you were referring to no oh that was no. another friend okay but jason momoa is also your friend so yeah. you've known jason for quite a bit and so you've seen someone going from relative obscurity to the the highest heights of fame. Is there any change in a guy like Jason? Oh shit. You know what? We were talking about this before. Like when I first met him, it was on Stargate. Yeah. And we can't we connected right away. And it was one of those things where when we were done the show and he, he was driving away in his I think it was like a like a 65 Chrysler or something. It was just a beautiful, beautiful car. And he was like, hey, what are you doing now? 
I go, I'm, I'm just going to go home. So let's go for a drink. And he, I go, yeah, okay, let's go. So we ended up going and I'm thinking we're going to hit like a hot spot in the, in the area. So, you know, he gets re- recognized because he wasn't really famous then. He was yeah. just a part of the show. Good looking dude. So I thought he was going to want to carouse a little bit. And he was like, no, man, we're just going to my, my loft. Let's just go up to my loft and have some whiskey. So we went up to his loft. We had whiskey. We listened to Tom Waits and we played guitar. And we were having a blast with just the two of us talking. And Jay, I'll never forget him, him going, I, I need, I need, like, my next step has to be big. I want to direct. I want to, I want to change the world with whatever, whatever I can do to get famous in a, in a way of doing my craft will help me change the world and the things that I'm being famous will help the projects that he feels like the earth needs right now. And that was 10 years ago. And he did it like he did it. It's so I, he's such a wonderful, wonderful dude. And, and he hasn't changed one bit. He's just nothing, but he's a big, big kid. He's a big kid having a blast. Wow. If that's what drives Jason, you know, that desire to be, to do something that the world needs or those kinds of projects, what drives me is, you know, I think, I think now it's, it's parenting and having to provide something because that, that's scary as hell. But what drives yeah. you as an actor and as an artist? It's, it's so interesting. It's like that, it's that whole, and I hate to say it, but then I, I actually love that I have that, but it's the validation. I love, I love the validation. I remember there was this hockey player um, in my hometown. I was like six years old, seven years old, something like that. And I remember loving him on a different team. His name was Serge Savard. He played on the Canadians. And he got traded to the Winnipeg Jets when I was in, in my hometown. I was so excited. And I remember going to a game, and I was standing by the gate where they come from the dressing room and out. And then they do a warm-up, and then they come back and kind of go back into the dressing room. And they were doing their warm-up. I'm standing right at the side, and I'm watching Serge Savard. I'm just so, so excited that he's on the rink and he's in our hometown. And then as he walks by, he just gives me a little wink. And I, I, I was blown away that he saw me. He Like, he mm. saw me. That's the feeling I want to give to other people. He, this guy, Serge Savard, doesn't even, won't even remember something like that. But just that kind gesture affected me throughout my life and this is years ago so the the idea that there's fans that love julius or love love my work and i can reach out to them especially with social media i can reach out and say thank you and they're like oh my god i can't believe you even messaged me back it's little things like that that, and then dropping in you know just the kindness and and Mm -hmm. paying it forward that whole thing of like you know the ripples in the water kind of moving forward Mm -hmm. and it's that validation that really really drives me that i can change somebody's day on a heartbeat. Yeah. And I, I, I guess that like when you start to realize the impact that you can have on other people, that would just drive you even further. And I'm wondering, I don't mean to get like too, uh, you know, psychoanalytical here, but do you, <laughs> do you think that the initial uh, desire for that validation was your tumultuous relationship with your dad? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And even, even my mom, like it was, it, it was interesting because my, my brother was just like the rock star. He was, you knew, like they knew we're not going to have any problems with him. He's going down this road and he will never 
veer off this road. You just knew that. Yeah. And here I am like taking every side road all over the place. So, and because he was so on point, whenever I tried something different or with music, you know, show it to my mom, waiting for her to light up. Oh, she didn't light up. It's like, <laughs> uh, practice harder, you know, things like that. It was, it was definitely, it was definitely trying to get reactions um, mm. from the people around me. I mean, even my brother, like anything just, and he, he just cruise control through, through everything. I like the idea of uh, a mother, any mother, you know, lighting up at the sound of heavy metal music though. <laughs> 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 she oh my god like i don't know if you check my instagram but she's one card like she's hilarious so she always she always supported all of that and even my dad like i got i had hair down the ear and my dad just didn't understand it but they just let me do the things that i wanted to do and eventually something will happen but man like you know my brother and i were talking about you know he knew what he was doing for such a long time and he was like you know, the way, where you are right now, like what a ride to get here. What, like never know what the next turn will take. I kind of knew where I was going and that was that. And so I envy his consistent drive of knowing exactly what he wants. And he, uh, he admires the vagabondness and the bravery of going, I don't know what, what the fuck's out there, but I'm going for it. And we help each other. We're, we're really great. Yeah, for sure. So with that, you know, kind of vagabond style of not knowing where your career is going to take you one day to the next at some points, what is your final goal or what what are you working towards? Well, I love the idea of opening up a film studio in my hometown. You know, if it was easier, it would already have been done. But it's uh, it's definitely a lot of hard work. But there's something about, you know, giving the opportunity to the city that gave me the opportunity. Mm-hmm. There is, it's a lot more personal, but the idea of, you know, making my own shows, uh, being a part of a team, that's, that's, even though I love being a leader and making people feel great, uh, I'm more of a team player. Like if the team, like I'm more, more about getting the team together than myself being a focal point. And that's what I love. And that's what I want to be, have another one of, or maybe even creating a show with some friends where we all get together as a unit, as a team, and have an amazing time and put out some great content. And, you know, speaking of great content, I know you have a few really big projects coming out at the end of this year, next year. What what do you have that's coming up? There's a show called, a movie that I did called Chain that's doing a festival circuit. Van, Van Helsing's season five, fifth and final seasons coming up. I forget what the air date is. And Snowpiercer, which I'm really excited about, and our, that's the second season's airing in end of January. So I'm really excited to get those pieces out there, and, and you know, and have a, a nice little farewell to Van Helsing, and and then a you know the the ride of of uh, of Snowpiercer. But what one of the coolest things our showrunner John Walker came up because of the music that I played. He, he said, you know, there's there's an opportunity for maybe one of your songs to be in one of the fight scenes in the show. And I was like, are, are you kidding me? Yes. Yeah. So I called my guys who I played with 30 years ago <laughs> and we recorded a demo 30 years ago and they remixed it so we can give the show this one specific song, not knowing if they'll go yes or no. They said yes. 
So now we're those, those get my friends of 30 years in high school are so stoked that it's going to be on the show that we remastered five five songs and we're releasing it uh, either on the 26th or in the beginning of December on Spotify. So that's been really exciting, getting the boys together and and just putting some music out. So being an actor and, uh, you know, there's a reputation that it's the relationships with uh, women may not last as longer as if you had a more traditional job. It's a it's an unstable position. How, how do you find that is like you, you were talking about looking for validation in other places in your job. Is it like that with you in a, re- a relationship where you'd maybe have to jump around or wouldn't want to settle down or what is just your mentality in that regard? It was, it's interesting. When I first started, my mentality was I just don't want to be in anything serious because I don't even know if I'm going to work and I don't want to have any responsibility except trying to be successful in this job. That's yeah. really hard to be successful. And so I, w- I was very much, you know, arm's length with a lot of a lot of that stuff. Shot myself in the foot a number of times and could have handled things a lot differently. But the idea, especially when, when, I, when you get older, it's uh, you just want a best friend, you know, that that's it's never going to change a best buddy that mm-hmm. um, an amazing partner and somebody that has your back. That's the kind of stuff you really don't think about. I mean, at least I didn't when I was younger, but now really kind of, you know, seeing how a partnership can work as opposed to a relationship. I think that's the difference, and- but it is tough. You know, communication is the key. Yeah. And what about the idea of children? What, what do you think about that? Um, oh, man. You got me. <laughs> you got me. Um, oh, man. How did that sneak up? I think it's... Um, like I wanted to be, oh man, I don't know if I can talk about it. If you don't want to, we can move on, but I'm curious if you're willing, but if you're not, then you're not. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's important, um, but I just don't know if I'm going to keep my shit together. That's fine. Yeah. No, worries. No, no worries at all. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, a little more of a frivolous question to follow that. Could you Perfect. Could you beat Jason Momoa up in a fight? <laughs> and have you ever tested that? See, I'm a traditional boxer. He's everything. He'll bite my nose off, so he'll probably win. But if it was a stand-up fight, I'll take him. But if it's an all-around fight, he'll bite my ear off or my nose off. He's crazy. Right. Interesting. <laughs> and I noticed, I, I got a note from uh, one of your agents and they was saying that you're part of an anti-bullying uh, Red Cross foundation or something. I'm probably butchering this right now, but being a big guy, usually that's associated with being the bully. How do you get on the other side of that and want to help out people who are bullied? Well, it's, it's interesting because I think it all sits with the bully. It's not necessarily the story of the victim even though we really want to champion and, and support the victim, but there would be no victim if we were there for the bully. And I think that understanding, like I, I remember growing up and I don't have a mean bone in my body, but because of my stature and being in high school and playing around with somebody, 
they may not have received it the way I was trying to give it, and they may have felt bullied. And I could totally see it if the if the thing was flipped because it was all about jokes and you know giving somebody a shot. And I love I love shots being thrown back at me, but it may not have sit sit well with somebody else. And it could it could be a lasting effect. And I remember there was times where because I just didn't understand myself, I didn't understand some of the emotions that I would go through. So the only thing you do is to protect it is you lash out or you make somebody else feel less than so you feel better. It's all these little things as a kid that you're just navigating. You know, when I look back on it, I would have loved somebody that I can communicate with, that it was okay to talk about your feelings, that it's okay to share things that bother you. And it's, it's okay to, to be frustrated with stuff, but understanding the people around you, I would have loved that. And I think that that would stop the idea of bullying in a, in a heartbeat. So just showing the love to the, to the person that doesn't know what to, how to handle adversity. Yeah. And is there bullying in Hollywood in terms of like in, in your experience on set at all? And what I mean by that, I guess, is there's a hierarchy of power, regardless of how big you are. Do you think that is still a prevalent thing? I, I, I think it is just from the friends that I have that have that have been a part of it in, in the in the wrong end of it. I I haven't seen it a lot. There are a couple of times that I've seen seen it in a, in a manner where. You know, for me, because I'm a little long in the tooth now, I just won't put up with anybody mm. being spoken to disrespectfully around me. Before it was, I'm just going to keep my, my head down. That's their problem, keeping my head down. Now I feel like I'm in a, in a position that I just can't allow that to happen around me. But I, it's there. It's definitely there. Yeah. Well, uh, we do have to go. We have a nanny in the other room, actually, and our time's up with our uh, our babysitter. But I want to thank you uh, so much for yeah. uh, doing this interview. I thought it Absolutely. was a great conversation. And, and really was. someone wants to reach out and follow you on the gram, which is so important these days. How, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, it's uh, Twitter and Instagram is A-L-E-K-S-P-A-U-N, Alex Pond. And Facebook page has a, has a fan page on there. And yeah, you guys were great, man. This is uh, you got me. God. I'm, I'm like Diane Sawyer. I, now. Next time we talk, <laughs> next time we talk, I definitely want to want to get into it. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I'd love to if you're willing. Well, in this way, you know, we we do talk a lot about family because it is so interesting the dynamic and how that shapes a person and right. just mm-hmm. factors like that. So we love talking to anybody about that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So if you are willing, eventually, we would love to have you again. I would love it. You guys have been great. One of my faves. Favorite interviews. Really appreciate that. You have a great night and congrats on your career. Congrats. Yeah. Take care. There he was. Got got emotional there. I know. And that's what I love about going into these interviews where it's like, well, you know, what things do we have in common? It's the more you start talking to somebody, the more you realize just the human experience connects us all in some way. And everybody has such a fascinating story. And I want to dig into his more. I know. I, I I do. Maybe one day we will. I don't know. But I'm, I'm just grateful for what we got. And I'm also grateful that you took the time to answer listener questions. That's right. This is our mailbag segment. So Alex has gotten questions from you, listeners, the ones that submitted questions. She's researched them. She's answered them. I'm hearing them for the first time. I'm going to contribute my two cents. And you're going to actually break it down and tell it like it is. No, let's do it. All based in science. First question. 
Is me and my partner's sex life gone forever with a yes. toddler and a newborn? Oh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> All right. So obviously there are lots of challenges. If you're a parent, you get that. You just pushed out something the size of a watermelon from your crotch. And that watermelon causes you to be sleep deprived. Then you're going to have with your partner, you're just going to have conversations about poop and rashes and nipple pain and toddler behavior. And that obviously is not going to get you in the mood. So you can't really rely on this to come back naturally. And this is something that you have to work for. So Michelle Wiener Davis, she is a marriage and family therapist and she's a TED Talk host. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And she says that as somebody who's been, I'm going to quote her here, as somebody who's been on the front lines with couples for decades, unless you treat your relationship, your marriage, like it's a living thing, which requires nurturing on a regular basis, you're not going to have a marriage after the kids leave home. So she says that it's absolutely essential not to be complacent about what she calls a ho-hum, quote-unquote, sex life, what she calls a, quote-unquote, ho-hum sex life. Touching is a very primal way of connecting and bonding with your partner. And if those needs to connect physically are ignored over a period of time, or if they're downgraded to where, you know, one person in the partnership isn't feeling satisfied or like their needs are being met, then Dr. Wiener Davis assures people that there are going to be problems going forward. So if this is you or you've experienced this in any way, which the majority of parents have, what do you do? One doctor, Dr. Emily Nagoski, she suggests starting over. And she says that, you know, she tells her clients to establish a sexual connection much in the same way that they did when they first started dating. So make out, cuddle, you know, whatever you do and eventually let it turn into something more. And it's kind of making it titillating and romantic again, you know, bringing in that idea of romance. So she suggests to create a sanctuary in your bedroom. And she says that a lot of parents with kids get thrown off because... There's nowhere that they can go to kind of escape the caregivers that they've become. So like they don't have a sexiness to their personality anymore because they only see themselves and their partners as caregivers. Yeah. So if you are bed sharing, get them the heck out of there, according to Dr. Nagoski. If you are room sharing, you know, maybe get them out of there, but definitely don't have them co-sleeping. Like just put them in the closet? No, just put their crib elsewhere. If you can and if you have the space and, you know, have this sanctuary in your bedroom where you become the people that you were before kids and you are able to communicate your needs and your desires and to help meet your partner's needs. So again, you cannot bank on spontaneity here because you're going to be tired. You're If you're a mom, you might be touched out if you're breastfeeding and you're going to have to work on it. So expect to put in an effort and know that you do need to put in an effort if this is something that's important to you and to your marriage. For many couples, I read a few studies that said it takes about two years. So about two years after your last kid, then things start to pick up normally again. So we have 16 months? 16 months, yeah. Yeah. I look forward to that. But the thing is, like, I think that we make a good effort as it is, you know, and I think that I stopped hoping for spontaneity just because I was realizing that it wasn't a reality. You know what I mean? It wasn't a possibility. So I think now because we have been putting the work in and we, we do make it a priority, that's super nice, honestly. And that that is kind of, you know, saving different things that we both expect out of this relationship. And that was your idea to do the date nights and to schedule it in and everything. So I do commend you. I like it when you're happy. <laughs> As you should. You know. Uh, so the next question 
can we be friends when COVID is over? I told you who said this. Who? Do you remember? Who? Mom room? Renee. Renee Rena from the mom room. Wait, she asked us some questions? Yes. So she asked if we can be friends when COVID is over. What do you say? Do we accept her into our life, extend the arm of friendship, or do we keep her at a distance because she is competition? I, I say keep your enemies close <laughs> and your f- friends close. I like to keep them at the same. Keep them both close. Yeah, I did. I I kind of made a new expression, but yeah, I like Renee a lot. Same, yeah. And uh, I think she's super smart and effing prolific and awesome. She's nonstop. Yeah, so I want to learn from her. I want. She seems fun. Also, she's mm-hmm. also into reality shows, which we are too. We get a bachelor night. This below somehow. deck show she's watching. I really want to get into it. Oh, is but, it the one where they're on the boats? Well, it's called Below Deck. I, no, no, I but they, like, they work on the boats. Yeah, they like, work on like party I, boats, I I've think. I've dated guys who did that for their jobs. Worked on the reality show Below Deck? No, or, no, uh, no, no, but they worked on yachts. Oh, wow. As did they job. ever go Below Deck? That, <laughs> that's where they did all their stuff. Like what? What's a poop deck? Is that what their stuff is? <laughs> Whoa, I haven't had a snort in a while. This is such an honor. <laughs> poop deck is just such a funny word. What do you do on that? I don't know. Poop deck is just a hilarious word. Let's move yeah. on. Renee, we love you. You're our friend after COVID. Next question. My partner is 33 and wants kids. Her partner is 40 and is not ready. Should she freeze her eggs? Wait, wait. I'm confused. Back it up. Okay. So this person is talking about a friend. Oh, okay. My friend's 33, wants kids. Partner 40, doesn't want kids yet. Should she freeze her eggs? If you're 40 and you want kids, yeah. She's she's 33. The partner's 40. With a, is the partner a woman? Man. So the, <laughs> the friend is 33. She's a woman. The partner is 40 and a man. So first of all, you and your, or your friend and their partner have to sit down and really work out what they want from life and what they want from this relationship. because. So someone's just asking for their friend? Mm-hmm. So huh. is this something that the partner will actually ever... <laughs> What? It's just somehow the friend and the partner thing really screwed me up. Okay. Can we just act like it's the person asking, the younger person asking for their older person? No, because the only time I'll refer to it okay, like that go, is now. Go. So, you know, the this this man and woman have to sit down and they have to figure out what they actually want from life and from this relationship. So is, is the he, man 40 or the yeah, woman Yeah, the, the man's 40. So oh. is he ever going to want kids though? Is this something that he wants or is he just saying he's not ready? Like does he know in our kids something that she absolutely wants? You know, so figure this out and solidly establish that and solidly establish if you want to go on the same route in life. If you choose to freeze your eggs. So I have... So freezing eggs, to me, it always seemed like some, you know, simple little thing you can just kind of go and do as you know just like an insurance type thing but i'm gonna give you five things that a woman should know before freezing her eggs according to modernfertility.com so age matters okay so there's no perfect age to freeze your eggs but if you are in your 20s or early 30s so the woman in question here is 33 which is a good time to freeze your eggs because you still have a good egg reserve and your eggs are healthier how many eggs you born with lots lots but you know so age does matter in that sense and of course like science is amazing and bodies are amazing so i mean like janet jackson had a kid in her 50s things like that with her frozen eggs but it is harder and there are more risks as you age and as you get into your late 30s and your 40s and everything so 
it does help to do this as soon as you can kind of thing. Two, the second thing is that it's a very intense process. So I didn't even realize how intense it was until Shane and I were watching Vanderpump Rules and Sheena from that show was in the process of freezing her eggs and she was going through hell. Mm -hmm. So you have to take hormone therapy, which alone is, you know, very taxing. You're going to be getting lots of ultrasounds. The extraction process is really invasive. They do it with a long nail. They like suction the eggs out of the ovaries and then you have to go through the IVF again, which is all very, it's all very difficult. Number three, there can be side effects. Obviously, these are going to differ depending on you, your age, your health conditions, whatever. So best talk to your doctor about those. Four, it can be a great option if you have certain health issues or if you are prone to having possibly cancer that requires chemo or radiation because things like that can impact fertility. So if you know that, you know, breast cancer or whatever runs in your family, and you're not going to have kids anytime soon, but you want that option, might, it might be a smart thing. How much does it cost? Well, that's the next thing. It's freaking expensive. So it's between 15000 and 20000 just for the freezing cycle. And then storage of the eggs, because you can't just stick them in your own freezer. Why not? I, I don't know. You're not going to be able to take care of them properly. You don't know that. You don't know how resp- <laughs> if it's my eggs and they're 15 grand, I'm taking care of those. But uh, they, well, what if, sorry, so many things I can, that are frustrating with that. Yeah. Well, just get a backup generator. <laughs> For your eggs. Well, it depends if the generator is cheaper than the cost of What if of you're time. out of town? Well, bring the eggs with you. People have animals and they take them. Okay, home. this is wild. So anyhow, storage is between 600 and 1200 a year. Oh, and that's then, not that bad. No, but it's the extraction. But then IVF on top of that. So if you ever want to get pregnant with the eggs, IVF costs a lot of money. And the entire process, you're looking at probably between forty and $60,000. Hmm. So it's pricey. But again, the best option for some people. So I mean... Figure out what you want, what your partner wants, and then just make the option that's that's best for you. Next question. Do you know much about fetal ejection reflex? Shane, do you know anything about this? Because I had no idea what the fetal heck Fetal ejection. Meant. I just pictured a kid flying out of there. Yes. Is that what it is? Yes. Wow. I yeah. do have a good palate. <laughs> so in some unmedicated births, and I had to look this up, the active pushing phase may be more accurately described as the fetal ejection reflex. So this is essentially where a mother waits for her baby to descend and then her body just expels the baby without conscious effort. So like it just kind of happens and she doesn't really have to think about it. So, you know, midwives and some hospitals, they might find it very important to support a mother and give her privacy and give her you know, a lot of care before she has her kid to allow this process to happen as ideally it prevents the need for intervention. So like I had an episiotomy with Lucy, so I had a medicated birth. So, so I don't even think this was an option for me to happen because I can't really feel that as well as somebody unmedicated. But then, you know, they think, oh, you might not need forceps or the suction thing, whatnot. And yeah, yeah, not something I would want to try because I'm not down for personally having unmedicated births, but to each their own. Next question. When you got pregnant each time, did you time it with your cycle or is it because of Shane's super sperm? I would like to say it's because of the super sperm and super sperm has a, I haven't looked this up, but it can actually 
when someone's not in their cycle make someone get pregnant it can it can what can it not no did you look that up it's impossible you can it's only you looked up super sperm is that like an actual thing super sperm dictionary definition well the more you have the more likely there's going to be some outliers and these outliers can find innovative ways to get in there and hang around yeah but they can still only hang around for a certain amount of time like a week or something well i've i've had guys like my guys <laughs> one lasted a month before get out of yeah here. in a hot tub <laughs> he, he, he bided his time you got somebody pregnant and do you know what that sperm's name is now oh no what lucy yeah, it's so weird. Okay, so we we kind of timed it. I never really paid attention to my cycles, but in episode eight of our podcast, we interviewed a woman named Victoria, and she is from the elephant in the womb. She's like um, a peer, she calls herself a period and prenatal guru. So she taught me a lot about how to better understand the state the stages of my cycle without having to chart it and just by looking for physical clues. So she taught me how to analyze the discharge, and that alone can tell you where you are in your cycle or even feeling your cervix and feeling the position and like how hard or soft your cervix is it's all very wild so we didn't do any calendars or charting but based on that we timed it super well or the super sperm I don't know all right the next question what causes people to self-sabotage relationships Shane before I get into the actual answer according to one specialist what would you say in your experience let's say boredom or a feeling of insecurity, or they feel like they want to get to someone before someone gets to them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you can't hurt me if I hurt you. How many relationships have you self-sabotaged? I don't know, probably all of them. I was just going to say my answer is all of them. For you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if mm-hmm. even if they worked out, or even if you know I was the one to do the dumping, which I always was, I should no, throw that in there. But um, you got dumped once, and it didn't even really count. So you can't say always. But no, right? it didn't count. Okay, of course it doesn't count to you because you're trying to keep a sterling record. No, but I had I was gone for a month in Greece. You were still heartbroken. No, I was pissed off that okay. he dumped me before I dumped him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Officially, anyhow, every relationship self sabotage. So I read a psychology. Wait, what is that? What was that? Every relationship, self-sabotage. What is that? Like, that just I'm just saying like... every relationship, I self-sabotage. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. I see. Continue. So I read a Psychology Today article by Dr. Melanie Greenberg, and she says that the top three reasons people self-sabotage are, number one, faulty thinking. So this one was very interesting to me, but our, our brains tend to be wired to cling to what is familiar so that we overestimate risk and try to avoid trying new approaches to things. So this tendency has a name and it's called, get ready, this is scientific, familiarity heuristic. And this leads us to overvalue the things that we know and undervalue things that are super unfamiliar. And when we're under stress, we tend to rely on the familiarity heuristic even more. So when our brains are tired, we resort to old habits and ways of doing things, even if we know that they don't work well, and we're drawn to go with the familiar, even when a different option offers a clear advantage. So like this can be true in relationships, and I think So just what's in the familiar, life, though? Wouldn't the familiar be that relationship you're in wouldn't that be something you well, don't know because that's new because you don't necessarily know where it's going like if you and i talk about all the relationships that we've self-sabotaged it's like you know people i've only that... had long relationships though but still 
Is it going to go into marriage? Is it going to go into kids? I don't know. I'm more comfortable with the chasing a girl and then the first two years of a relationship before you have to make any super serious decisions. And that thinking can be a part of the next thing, which is a fear of intimacy or rejection. So we all know people who sabotage relationships when they reach a certain level of intimacy, right? Which is what I'm suggesting you were doing or I was doing. Mm -hmm. And some people cheat, others pick fights, or they get controlling and they try to push a person away that way. And still others might reveal all their insecurities or become too needy or clingy. These are all unconscious ways in which our brains fear getting trapped or rejected if we get too close. So a lot of these patterns, and we were talking about the mom room, she's a pro on what I can say next, but many of these patterns are based on childhood relationships with caregivers. So if you have quote-unquote insecure attachment, you may unconsciously fear repeating the past. So maybe you had a parent that was rejecting or neglectful or critical or inconsistent, and then parts of our brains remember this pain and begin to act in adult relationships as if we are with our parent, or perhaps we do the complete opposite and in an extreme way, you know, which gets us in trouble that way. Maybe we become too clingy or maybe our parent is the needy one and we become standoffish and something like that. Mm-hmm. That seems to make sense. Uh, so, so wait, if it's, let's say my mom ignored me a lot, what, what would I do then? Well, you could do one of two things. You could become a very clingy, uh, person in a relationship or you could kind of become your parent and then in a fear of being the one who's getting ignored because you saw that you become mm. the person that would be inconsistent right so they it seems to have everything covered you either clingy or you're not <laughs> it's like this, this is like getting a, a tarot card or something but the next one it is like that is uh procrastination and avoidance so you might have a tendency and this one's me to avoid things that are difficult or uncontrollable So procrastination and avoidance can be ways of not taking responsibilities for your own actions. And these behaviors allow you to blame outside factors and other people rather than admitting your own faults or admitting your own role in some kind of unhappiness. Some of us fear success. And because we, you know, shine this happiness that we're kind of entitled to and everybody deserves, some of us fear success and that happiness and others might fear that, you know, the person in the relationship might actually expect more from us than we can deliver. And it's like you don't have the faith or the confidence in yourself to do that. So you mm-hmm. just decide to pull away. So, yeah, rather than facing this head on, we set ourselves up for failure. But, yeah, those are three main reasons why people self-sabotage. No, that's it. that's interesting. I Although so too, I, yeah. I don't know if I believe it. I think some people can, like for me, I felt like I was just insecure loser. Yeah, that's like the second thing. Why were you insecure? Why are you? Why do you feel like you're an insecure loser? Be, I, I don't know. I never felt attractive enough to be with the people. Did it have anything to do with having inconsistent? I don't know. I, I just think it was called ugly a lot as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Not by my parents. <laughs> All right. Next question. What did you want to be when you were growing up? A dentist. I think that's that was my so big funny. thing. I wanted to be an NBA player or a dentist. My dad got it in my head young that dentist would be a good profession. It, there'd be a lot of like um, money that you'd make. Yeah, but what about looking into people's mouths all day? That I would, like teeth though. Yeah, but Shane, I like good teeth. But then if you're looking into somebody's mouth who needs a lot of work and some of I that I like stuff. the sound of the tools on the teeth. Okay. I don't know what it is. Oh, there you go. 
And I wanted to be lots of things. I, I think during the Winter Olympics when I was eight, I wanted to be an ice skater, but I'm, you know, that's not my thing. And then I wanted to be in the Summer Olympics as a basketball player. Then I wanted to be an actress on the red carpet, but I really just wanted to be a teacher or a salesperson, which is my dad sells medical devices. So it was just very much what my parents did. So if you were an actress, you would only act on the red carpet. <laughs> I think I just won the awards. Oh, okay. The awards and the admiration, you know, mm-hmm. the money. Okay. Next question. And final question. Would you say that you are happy and what is your main source of happiness? I'll start. Yes, I am happy. And obviously, even when you're happy, you're going to ha- like when you're happy overall, you're going to have moments of maybe not being happy or feeling blue, whatever. But overall, I am very happy. And the source of happiness is so cheesy and sappy but it's my family it's the people that i'm surrounded by and right now it'd be weird if it wasn't your family no but it's like i derive so much happiness from just being surrounded by you guys during covid like i'm i'm so thrilled just to be with you guys you know what i mean yeah it's like i'm so very happy yeah, I'm very happy. The The only thing, in fact, that really has me down is I became really into running. During COVID, I really became obsessed with running, and now I can't do it because it's too snowy, it's too dangerous, I don't want to hurt myself. But everything else is pretty wonderful. Uh, being around the family, having this home, I feel very grateful, lucky, and mm-hmm. aware of my my luck. Alex, good job at the end segment here. Thank a lot, you. lot of research going on. But I want to read a review right now. And this is a Canadian review. They, they gave us five stars. They said, I want to be friends with Alex and Shane. I don't have any kids myself yet, but I love listening to the daily parenting adventures of Alex and Shane. Mm. They are so funny, and listening to them every week makes me feel like we're friends. Their humor, interview style, and guests are always entertaining and very relatable. I hope my husband and I get to be this cool when we have kids one day. That's the best review. I'm blushing. And I'm I'm appreciative, and every one of those comments matter more than you'll know. Get a podcast, and you'll understand what I'm talking (laughs) about. But until then, thank you so much for listening to This this Family Family Tree Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 73.